11 o'clock comics episode Doomsday's the bomb. Welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 39. I'm Vince B, and my vagina is haunted. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm Christopher Neesman, and I have nothing to do with uh, Vince's vagina. <laughs> right now. I'm, uh, I'm David Price, and I'm uh, slightly buzzed. Uh, and I'm Talkie Tony. Yes. Murderer. You are awesome. No, you're not, Talkie Tony. You are Jason Wood. And sitting in with us this week, we don't even have to introduce the guy, but we will for the people who don't listen to Around Comics, it's sizzling Brian Salazar, a.k.a. Hello, Sal. There he is. Hello. He's not even a guest. He's just like family. That's Aww. Brian with an O. Kind of like having your cousin over for dinner, isn't it? Yeah, well, more. It's like my brother-in-law. How about that? Thank you for having me again. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to be on next week, too, for everybody taking score. I am? Yes, you are. Fantastic. Because we got something coming up next week, a magical event, and we'll tell yep. everybody about that next week. So oh, nice. So what's up, buddies? Hi. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the enthusiasm in the room. I can feel it. Dude, reading comics. Lots of comics. Oh, me too. Tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. And for those expecting talk on Final Crisis number six, you're going to have to wait till next episode. Sorry, Wood. Yeah. What about yeah. I, I'm not... I'm not <laughs> Because I got one coming tomorrow from DCBS. Fuck. But, you know, there's plenty to talk about. You guys be- probably read Northlanders, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Wait, be- before we do, though, I just want to send a big respect out to Mike Norton. Why? <gasps> Ooh, Aside from the funny. obvious. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Norton on Twitter the other day said, what if you say respect one more time? So I just want to... Uh, oh, see, I, I don't, I don't like do the Twitter months. thing anymore. Yeah, for at least the next two months, I'm going to make sure I give our, uh, our our buddy there a big a big respect shout out every week. So, Mike, respect to you, man. You're taking Mike, your, your Mike, life in your freaking hands. Mike is shaking his fist right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike is one of the many people that uh, makes allusions every week to how he likes to uh, scream at the podcast or shake his fist at the podcast, but yet never gives us any details. So, our friend Sal here said that if if he was on this week, he would he would clue us in as to what what all you guys mean when you say that stuff to us. So. 
Well, I can't speak for everyone. <laughs> no, I assumed you could speak for yourself. You can just though. tell you why Sal does it. Uh, sure. I, if if something uh, pops up, I will I will point it out. Although I don't really want. I mean, I don't really want to spend the entire episode pointing out <laughs> our inadequacies. Flaws. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well done. Well done. I don't want to rip your manhood off and dangle in front of your face. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get like a bell or something, and every time I hear something that I think Norton would be pissed about, I'll just ring the bell. How's cool. That? That's all right. <laughs> Maybe we could have caters on, and just in the background, and he won't talk, but he'll just he'll just press a button every time something like that happens. He'll just bray like a donkey yeah. whenever it happens. <laughs> well, personally, I think the things that you guys do or say or whatever that drive some people crazy is also the thing that is why so many people also love the show. Yeah, I think you're right. So, do we sacrifice the Nortons and the um, who's that other guy? That word balloon guy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. The the suntresses of the world, or do we please the masses? I don't know. But let's I gotta just... give some credit, by the way. Oh, me too. I was just busting on. No, him. I mean, uh, did you listen to the latest Bendis tapes yet? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I guess you don't listen to that. But uh, I got to give him props for for you know calling a spade a spade. He, he you know he told Bendis he didn't he didn't like the way Secret Invasion ended, and I I wasn't sure he would be willing to do that. So gotta give him credit for that. <laughs> no, John's real. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he does it with a sheen, but he there's there's a a, a realness at the base yep. of it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I cherry pick that show. I listen to what I'm interested in, and I'm I'm not going to listen to Bendis because I'm not steeped in the Marvel. So, but he does it well. Yeah. Chris, do the string mm-hmm. roll call thing. Let's get oh, moving. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry guys. Um, I, I'll go ahead and kick off this week. Um, I forget what listener it is, but I actually got a. a believe either an email or it was on the forum i was drinking the uh, the great lakes brewing company their uh elliot ness um <laughs> it was earth 616 it was okay so yep and it which uh, uh great lakes brewing company is in cleveland and uh they make some great beers and uh and earth 616 um suggested that i try the uh, the dortmunder gold and that is exactly what i'm having this week so great lakes brewing company dortmunder gold and it is a fantastic golden lager very tasty cool so um uh, mr wood what are you what are you just sipping on uh, i'm actually sipping on some gin and juice like my boy snoop dog <laughs> are you really i really am kill me now i'm not kidding Tanqueray and OJ. Well, at least at least it's not Dom and and OJ. <laughs> you were telling me about that. Uh, Goose. I, I know. I know. Sal's probably just got a ginger ale or something. But uh, go ahead and uh, and uh, let us know. No, I uh, actually felt bad because of the last time I was on. I didn't have any kind of drink, and and so I dug in my uh, refrigerator for the uh, fanciest beer that I could find in there, and and, uh, and pulled it out, which isn't much, but it's a, a fat tire amber ale. So that's what I'm enjoying. Outside, see, there you go. Eleven o'clock comics driving people to drink every week. <laughs> uh, Mr. Price, how about you? Uh, I am about to finish a bottle of uh, old Fizzywig Ale. Where the, who, who brews that? Sam Adams. Oh, really? nice. nice. Yeah, it was part of their uh, winter pack. Nice. I was uh, um, talking with um, um, Tim Rackridge, uh, Freaky Tiki, and uh, and. Is that who I believe it was Tim? We were talking about uh, uh, Samuel Adams uh, a week or two ago, and talking about the winter ale. Yes. And uh, he said, "Yeah, people just go nuts for it in in Boston whenever they come out with the winter ale." So Sam Adams make good beer. Uh, Mr. Bonavolia, um, what variety of Yingling? Is that how you say his name? 
Yeah. Which well, one? You, you don't pronounce the G. All this time, I never knew. That's why I just go by B, because a lot of people just think because there's a G in it, you, you pronounce it. It's like gnocchis. You, ever, you know yeah. those little potato, sure, sure. Blah, blah, you don't say the G. You don't say the G in my name. It's, it's, it's just vol- silent. It's, it's volia, right? Yeah, yeah, volia. Yeah. You know what it means? It means, in yeah. Italian, it means goodwill. I am the ambassador of goodwill. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I thought it meant Never huge hope. penis. Well, come on. <laughs> um, I'm drinking. That was a <laughs> I'm drinking yingling, as usual. So. All right, so there you go. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna have to try some of this yingling that I keep hearing about. So oh, it's so good! It's tasty, man. It, it's, it's a very good beer, and it's cheap, tasty, and cheap. There I am. Yeah, just <laughs> like, like, just th- like think you. Of it like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> think of it like old style, Sal. Oh, really? Old style? Like old old style? Like old have, original <laughs> recipe old style? I have or? no idea. I, I think I, I think it probably tastes like sulfur in a can. But I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> hey, original no. old style was good beer, man. Mm-hmm. Don't knock mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah, back in the day, sure. Yeah, before we get into things, I do have to thank Chris Burnham for something. On our uh, Libsyn blog page, Chris uh, left a message for last episode informing me that I was pronouncing something wrong. Uh, I have a history of pronouncing things wrong, and it turns out that I pronounce what I think, when I read as Makari, it's mockery. For one of the new gods, I pronounce it Makari. I've always pronounced it Makari, even though I know it's mockery. When I say it, when it comes out of my mouth, it comes out Makari. Uh, so Chris Burnham in, uh, pointed that out. And I thank you because I do mispronounce things a lot. For years, I pronounced Dark Side as Dark Seed. Really? And, really? Yes, when I was a kid. No, growing up, not now. But uh, when I so read it, I say Magneto. There you go. This but, is... And and Namor is the sub um, submariner, but as a kid, I used to say submariner. All right. See, I, I have this pronunciation problem. So I I have the same problem. Yeah, I, I, I used to pronounce uh, uh, Icarus as Icarus. I did that too. And I'm not yeah. even talking that long ago. Yeah. Like I think Chris and Tom corrected <laughs> me like two years ago because I said Chris something Burke, about Icarus. What's funny is that Sal still can't say Dave Wachter and Pat Loyka. Yes. <laughs> No, I can't. Well, how many <laughs> times do I pronounce, mispronounce Wachter's name? I call him Wachter. Yeah, Wachter. A lot of people say Wachter. It's, I think it's a genetic disease. The bigger your, your unit, the more you mispronounce things. Oh, yeah, that's well, right. That explains I'm, why I'm just, I kept saying uh, Paul Pelletier last week instead of Paul Pelletier, and I was <laughs> singing his phrases. I don't even know the guy's goddamn name. I'm, but the, I'm, I'm surprised Chris Burnham took the time to tell you that, Vince, and not talk more about his niece and nephew and how adorable they are. <laughs> well, he's or, cool though. You know, or, or, I, or, or or but the thing yeah. is, see, if if Joe Blow came on and said, "Dude, you're pronouncing it wrong," I'd be like, "Yeah," but it's Chris Burnham. You know, being told the right way to do something by somebody that draws like a mother. Come on, how could yeah, Chris, I can't Chris, turn Chris is, Chris is good people too. And he, the way he wrote, he said, "Dude, comma, it's pronounced <laughs> mockery." And I and I felt like replying to him saying, "Dude, we do have a message board." You know. <laughs> But that's okay. Which is forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. Come on over, Chris oh, yeah. Burnham, and join us. So, yeah. And I, and I did listen to that last episode, and it was pretty awesome. You're around. Oh, it was a good thing. group. It was a yeah. good group. Scott, John, yeah, it was a good group. Yeah, we, uh, we got the, the reunion um, tour coming back. Uh, Tom and Sal will be, uh, will be on this week, and uh, Art Baltazar. So um, check that out. But I tell you what. Listening around comics, this is bullpen bull or bullpen bulletins. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it is. 
<laughs> and indeed it is. <laughs> this is eleven o'clock comics, so let's let's talk about comics. Yeah. I do. I have one comic related thing to talk about, and somebody uh, sent a voicemail in this week talking about this gentleman and his books. If have any of you guys seen The Mist, Frank Darabont's movie from the Stephen King short, uh, the novella? The original TV movie. Okay, this is the movie that came out uh, 2007, I think. On the extras, there is a little bit about how various scenes were made. Eric Powell was on the set of The Mist. I guess he's real good friends with uh, Frank. And um, Frank could not compliment him enough. The genius creator of The Goon, and, and I guess Eric Powell's job was to shake supermarket shelves. That was his, his deal. He, during, <laughs> during the earthquake scene, it, it happens pretty early in the movie, uh, Eric Powell's behind one of those shelves shaking it. So when you watch the movie, just think, hey, Eric Powell's in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Comics. Yeah. All right. Should we get into the Northlander stuff? or well, let's, well, before we argue, let's talk about something, that, uh, something very good that happened this week, and that's the Obama cover of Amazing Spider-Man 583, was it? Mm-hmm. 583. Sure. Uh, and the local comic shop owner brought some uh, something that was very poignant, and I didn't think of it at the time. He said, you know, this is probably the, one of the only times he could remember the comic book industry getting attention from the mainstream media for something that wasn't that didn't involve death or destruction. Where you had, you know, Death of Superman, Death of Captain America, uh, Amazing, what was it, 36 with the World yeah. Trade Center. Yeah. You know, it's always for some somebody dying or, you know, Robin. something. Yeah, Robin, Robin right. Uh, death in the family. He said this is one of the only times he could remember where it's actually a celebration that's getting attention. And I, I thought, wow, you know, I didn't think that's pretty poignant. And it's true. And uh, to tell you the truth, I saw more people in the comic shop this Wednesday than I have in a long, long time. There was walk-ins all over the place, and that's what they wanted. They wanted Obama, and uh, I felt pretty bad for them because while he did get, you know, a certain amount, I'm sure he wasn't able to fill the order of everybody who wanted it. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, did people leave if they didn't get the Obama cover? Did they leave if they still got? No, he's pretty sharp. He 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 kind of put a little spin on it and said, "But you know what." Uh, what, what do you watch on TV? Like, what do you like? And they'd be like, oh, I think Galactic is awesome. You know, he'd say, you know what? They do publish Galactica comics. Like, he's on the ball. Mm, he he I, would push I, him in a certain direction. Well, know. I tell you what, out of, as far as, like, just cool covers, I, I like the Savage Dragon cover that just came out a hundred times more than oh, the, yeah. the Spider-Man cover. Yeah. I mean, that was, it even used the, uh, the color scheme of the, um, um, who's the, uh, the, Who's the artist that did that? Uh, Fairy on the Spidey one? No, the uh, original no, Obama the, poster. The Obama. Oh, poster. sorry. Oh, why? Uh, I never can. It was the the guy that did the uh, the Andre the Giant um, Obey. Oh yes, uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Ah, uh, Tom is screaming at his iPod right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, I never can remember the the guy's name. Uh, I'll think of it here. Okay, we'll, we'll paste it in later. But yeah, uh, and to tell you the truth, while you're going on about the cover, I think the Ramita Senior cover kicks its ass uh, ten different ways. It's an awesome Ramita cover. I mean, and it's not even his best work. <laughs> so, but it makes the other one. It, it overshadows the other one a lot. Right. So would you, I you? No, I was going to say yeah, I stopped by. Um, I stopped by yes. Midtown Comics today. And they were sold out of the Obama cover, but when I went to pay for some stuff, I asked them, uh, I'd seen on uh, Heidi McDonald's blog, The Beat, uh, some pictures that I guess there was a huge line uh, waiting outside of Midtown Comics yesterday uh, for the cover uh, at 10 in the morning. So I asked uh, the woman that was ringing me up, and she said it was crazy. There were hundreds of people that came in pretty much all day long just to get the Obama comic, and uh, 
and they they a lot of them just bought the comic and and uh, that was it didn't look around and left and uh, they sold out really quickly i think they're expecting uh, a third printing to hit in a couple days because i guess they already went through a yeah. second print yeah the second so, they sold yeah. out third third was announced today oh, yeah man. yeah so uh it's pretty crazy stuff and i asked her if you know if she thought that that uh there was any chance that some of these people would would become comics readers that weren't and, and her thought was not really that they were pretty much there and viewed it as a memorabilia thing but but you know sure. no no press is bad press for for comics you know when it, it right kind of, so well at least so, at the very least I, you know what it does is it let, lets people be aware that there are things called comic book stores mm-hmm. so somebody who did go to pick up just the obama comic maybe in the future if anyone inquires as to comic book stores they could say yeah there's one down in midtown you know what i mean so it, you, you got to look at it. It's pretty benevolent. Maybe. Maybe. But, yeah. I, Maybe it, it, and it just sucks, though, that it's an atypical issue of Amazing Spider-Man. It really is. In, in terms of everything that's been done since Brand New, One New Day, One More Day, it's Peter on a date. You know, it, it's not part of a, a larger storyline. It's just a day in the life of Peter Parker. And that's not going to, that doesn't exemplify what Amazing Spider-Man is. Mm-hmm. Has anybody actually read it yet? I've have paged not. through it. No, not yet. I wonder if it's any good. The Obama <laughs> thing is is drawn by um, Todd Knock. Todd Knock, yeah. Written by Zeb Wells. Yep. Yeah. And the main story is a Wade and uh, Kitson Farmer production. So of course it's of course the story's good. Sweet. I was talking with Tom last night about this as uh, on Skype, and uh, we were kind of laughing about the fact is like, could you imagine going to a movie theater and being told, "Sorry, you can't see the movie." You know, that's the only thing about this that sort of bugs me is it was sort of mm-hmm. handled very poorly, in my opinion. Well, it depends on how you look at it. I guess it was handled very well to create excitement. But, I mean, imagine how many people walk into a comic shop looking for that and they can't get it and, and are just sort of turned away. Will they ever even come into a shop again? Uh, I don't know. I I look at it, I, and I wrote on, on the Around Comics blog earlier in the week when this sort of stuff all started kicking off about how it, it was airily reminiscent of the 90s and the death of Superman or the the death in the family kind of stuff where it was not, you know, it wasn't handled very well. And and it it created a culture of just pumping out whatever they could pump out to fulfill a collector, you know, mentality. And now you already see, uh, you know, it was announced today, uh, Rob Liefeld's um, (laughs) Young Blood, blood, uh, Obama puts Young Blood together, a new Young Blood team. So it's like, you know, obviously it's not going to be like it was in the 90s, but it is sort of important to, it just makes me a bit nervous seeing that kind of stuff and how crazy the, the... the scampering for these issues were, and and what effect it will have down the the line. Right. It's like it's like they can't help themselves. I, th- I didn't right, know da- right, David had. Who, who's clicking the pen? No, I, I said David's got four feet because that's a lot of toenails, man. It's funny. <laughs> nice. Nobody's typing. I think. Yeah. It was me. It was There's me clicking, clicking pen. the pen. Yeah. yeah. I was say, I'm it's Sal because I know he used, he's to, he used to do that. Yep. <laughs> clicking. Um, you can I, make it with the clicking. <laughs> and and. Crack my knuckles for you, Vince. But uh, thanks, buddy. I, I definitely I would have liked to see the situation reversed. I think John Romita Senior is worthy of a variant cover. Yeah. Um, you know, if 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 you know people are coming into the shop for this, I would have liked to see the numbers reversed. I I think it That's was mm-hmm. handled poorly in the sense that I believe Mr. Cruze was telling us, you know, how it sort of broke down. Where if if, if you ordered a, if you ordered 
depending on how you ordered copies, I don't even think it was like for 583. I think it was for an even earlier issue. Depending on how many how many issues you ordered of that would determine how many issues, how many copies you'd get of the variant cover. And if we're talking about, this is a the January 14th issue, if this order was placed before the election was decided, then, you know, I don't know if, if Marvel should have maybe started things rolling sooner. I don't know if this was a spur of the moment thing that someone just thought of. I don't know. I was trying to play devil's advocate and think, you know, well, maybe, maybe Marvel did bring this to Obama's attention earlier and maybe his people took their time getting back to Marvel. I don't know. I don't know if this is something that Marvel could do without letting the man know, or if, you know, they just said, Hey, we're going to tip our hat to you like that. I, I, we don't know the way it worked in the background, but yes, I do think that the whole thing with how many covers was ordered and, and, and who, how it was determined, who got what the ratio was, I think, I, I, I think they really dropped the ball in that regard. Well, and that's kind yeah. of nuts that they would base it on the previous issue's order. Well, they're they're trying they're you know, they're trying to spike sales and you know, and this way the retailer will order yeah. you know next time that, I don't know what's that, coming that honestly guys it it plays into the larger retailers the the graham crackers and the midtowns of the world it, it it plays in their favor because those are the stores that move a lot of copies you know on a on a monthly basis so it, it it's better for them but you know it, it, it it's kind of a gimmicky thing and that's cool if it sparks interest that's great if it gets people in comic shops shops that's great but you know i i hope that they don't kind of like sal was saying don't go back to the well that we lived through in the 90s and just keep focusing on making good comics. It's like, let's not get caught up in the whole gimmick thing because now we've gone through it twice in the last year. It was Death of Captain America, which kind of got way blown out of you know, blown out of proportion. Not that it wasn't a great comic, um, but I, I think the the hype on it was a little, you know, reminiscent of a of a not so nice era in comics. So just just keep making good comics, right? But uh, you know that gimmick era would not work today because uh, the that t- the time that that happened, comics were what dollar ninety five at four bucks a pop. The the it's not yeah. going to go off again. It's just they may get the people to buy a few, but it's not going to be uh, as rampant as it was in the '90s, where when comics were a lot cheaper. Well, what I don't get are the fact that there were copies of this Obama cover being bought on eBay yesterday for seventy-five bucks. I mean, I, I just don't. Who's buying that? I mean, who? You know, that's what I don't get. I, mean, I, I don't know. I can't I blame no the stores because they're saying that a lot of stores just put them online. I can't blame them for that. That's that's business, you know. Stores got to make their money. If they, if someone wants to spend seventy five bucks, hey, that's a bit. But who's, well, they're going to have to cover their nut for any of the unsold regular issues. Yeah, no, exactly. But who's who's feeding into that, right? Like who's because I didn't. I mean, I didn't look, but I was reading on again on the, on the beat. I think it was um, some other comics blog saying that. But there was if you did eBay search last night for them, it was rampant. You know, there were tons of these copies being sold. So I, yeah. there were I lots wondering. of them. Like lots of ten of them being sold. It's it's more right. than likely it's you know uh, stores. Uh, yeah, that that's, back that that's kind of thing. Exactly, exactly it. Well, if it, you know a little bit of uh, a kickback to the retailers for all their quote hard work, not so bad. But again, like like Wood said, I have no idea who would pay that kind of money for it, especially someone who Frank Castle might. <laughs> well, yeah, but and it's it's just it's just a cover. It's 
right. I, I, I don't understand that that kind of thinking at all. I don't I don't buy into variant covers. They mean nothing to me. I called the the owner Tuesday afternoon and I just said, "Will there be regular copies there for us who have been we who have been reading the book?" Uh, for a while, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we'll have yeah. books." You know, so I tell you what: if you like variant covers, just go to any dollar bin at a convention. Yes. There's mm-hmm. a ton of tons of them. So, yeah, it's true. You know, just wait a couple years. Yeah, I think yeah, the yeah, only this book will be. I mean, if you go on eBay now and look, yesterday I went on and, and searched for it, and they were on there anywhere from you know seventy five to two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh to, man! To, to, but nobody was paying that much for them. No, okay. It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't like anybody had bid those up. Those were sort of the starting prices or the, or the uh, buy it now prices. Now, if you go on there, I mean, they're about forty five, fifty bucks. Still, um, yeah. I mean, but a week from now, or two weeks from now, a month from now, you know, the, they'll be you. You know, you you go to a convention in New York, and you'll probably be able to pick it up for thirty. You go to the Wizard World Chicago, you'll probably be able to pick it up for twenty. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, a, a year from now, they won't be worth anything. We'll city, and we'll get it for. Uh, for four, <laughs> for four <laughs> bucks. <laughs> no, they'll put it in a little goodie bag when you come in. Nice. Hey, hey, no, no, no. No, Obama's from Chicago. The, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm worried, especially now with the third printing announcement, that the people that you know, especially in in the lots of ten, that they are very careful that these people who do want to spend this money that they are bidding and and. Getting a first print and not oh, hey, and, what and, copy and on the, I'd say. Oh no, I don't. Absolutely, yeah. this will, this but. will teach you a good for next time. Hey guys, it's uh, Matt Burden Templar from the forums again. Uh, just giving you a call. Really, um, just a couple of things. First of all, um, just the forums. Um, I, I'm not the the biggest user of them, um, and and to be honest, as far as kind of comic chat, um, I love listening to the show, um, but. You guys are kind of far and beyond um, as far as, um, you know, knowing your stuff, um, creators and, 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 and back history, etc. So on occasion, without a doubt, out of my depth, but just the nicest bunch of guys. So um, on the couple of times when I've left voicemails or, or um, started a thread or, or uh, left posts, you guys um, just all gather around. So compared to a lot of sites um, and, uh, and forums I've been on, uh, without a doubt, the 11 o'clock crowd, you guys are awesome, so um, thank you. Um, and yeah, just um, something that occurred la- um, Monday, really. Um, I've got a little five and a half um, year old boy, um, and one of the things that they do at his school when they do reading time, just to kind, of, and I, I'm completely for this. I think this is really good. So when they read a story, they don't just kind of say, "Okay, we're going to read Hippo." Uh, Hippo takes a bath now. Um, it'll be, we're going to read this book, um, and it is by, and they'll read the author's name. If it's been illustrated by somebody, they'll read the illustrator's name. And they'll also tell you the publishing house. So it'll be Hippo takes a bath uh, by Joe Bloggs, um, illustrated by Mrs. Bloggs, um, put out by Penguin. So he's already kind of getting this sense that there are lots of people that go together to put these books together so i read uh, the marvel adventures to him um of an evening i read the batman strikes series as well um and a lot of my local well i've only got two local comic shops aren't uh, aren't um getting that in the batman strikes so i'm sort of desperately trying to get that in through ebay i think we got the first 16 issues and now it's kind of drying up so he he loves that we reread them as well but <clears throat> recently i've been going through 
he loves the Silver Surfer, loves Galactus. So I picked up um, one of the Silver Surfer omnibuses. So starting from Fantastic Four 48, I think. Um, and yeah, he, he's loving that. But he'll always get me to do what they do at school. So I, I do get to do the kind of Tom Cater's, Tom versus the Flash thing, covers by Carmen Infantino. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I get to say written by Stanley, um, drawn by uh, Kirby, inked, etc. So he loves me kind of running my finger along those um, those squares and, and seeing who gets to put those things together. But this week um, at school, he gets a, a reading, he gets a, a book for us to leave comments um, and for the teacher to leave comments about how he's doing with his reading. And this week, um, he was asked to choose um, at school what book they read for reading time and he put his hand up and he made his request and they for whatever reason they didn't have the book that he asked for uh, we got his um we got his book his reading uh, notebook back today uh, and his uh, teacher has written and uh, uh <laughs> he's written in the book um <clears throat> joe read very well today uh was allowed to choose the book the class could listen to at reading time um in quotes uh, what is Mouse Guard and who is David Peterson? Uh, question mark. My son, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hey, we give him the good stuff. There you go. Anyway, I hope you're all well, and I will see you around. See you later. Bye. I'm calling bullshit on the second and third printings. They weren't second and third printings. Those 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 fucking things have been printed the entire oh, yeah. time. They're just sitting yeah. in boxes. They may have done a black plate change and it says second or third printing on it, but the interiors all hit the press at the same fucking time. I'll yep. guarantee it. I'll back you up on that one. Yeah. 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 They, they, they knew what they were doing. So. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would say about that is, I, while I'm sure they assumed that it was going to be popular, they... They, it's hard to assume that it's going to get on MSNBC, CNN, and yeah. you know national and worldwide coverage of that store. I, I mean, I see what you're saying that possibly, yeah, that they they did that, but I don't know, man. I mean, they, they, for them to sit there and just go, well, this thing is going to be huge. We're going to print a, a crap load of extra issues and 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 pretend that we had a second printing and a third printing. <laughs> I, w- I I would think I would they would screw up. Well, I would think that you know. I, that's giving them too much credit, I think. I think they would screw up the other way. Go, well, we'll just print a, you know, whatever, two hundred thousand or however many they printed of the first thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, Joe Casada's on CNN talking it up, and they go, oh, we better come up with some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think the the fact that the second printing has sold out lends credence to Chris's theory. Just that it was made available so quickly. Right, and that maybe the third printing is fresh. I'll give them that, but definitely not the second printing. No. Well, but the first printing was was you know a small percentage out, of the was whole. sold out before it was released. I don't. Yeah, yeah. who knows? I, Whatever the case, somebody's buying the damn things. Uh, hopefully, and uh, I'd like it's to probably were actually printed. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was twenty twenty thousand. Okay, so it was a very short. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was well, like a fifty no. fifty, right? It was a, a or twenty five. No, I don't think it was even close to fifty fifty. It was like no, 25. no, no. It was it was like it's like one in twenty or something. Okay. All right, so yeah. do the math. That's a pretty high run for amazing. What does it sell yeah. about about ninety thousand a copy yeah. under normal circumstances? Seventy thousand. Seventy. Yeah. Is it seventy? Well, it comes yeah. out three times a month. So. It's dropped quite a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, it sells seventy thousand and one because I called I called Mark Beatty over at Dark Tower <laughs> and added it to my full. The <laughs> bastards have me reading that thing three times a month now. I didn't want to do it, but God, is it good? Even the uh, the Dan Slot, the Molten Man story that mm-hmm. just finished up. What a nice little two shot story. Yep. It's yep. I'm, it, I'm I like Spider Man a lot right now. I was just going to say when I was listening to your um, 2008 wrap up. Uh, uh, best of show right. which i really enjoyed uh because it, <laughs> it kept me entertained while i was snow blowing for two hours um but i was i was thinking about i'm like you know i think my best uh single issue and i don't even know if it was 2008 or not but i was more more than anything saying it as a joke was uh the final issue of of one more day <laughs> but but I mean seriously, I I almost don't mean that as a joke because of what it was able to accomplish now with mm-hmm. you know because of that issue we have what we have now in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, even though everybody it, hates One More Day. The, yeah. Well, this, I mean the story itself was was terrible, and I think we can all ag- agree with that. But it was kind of one of those things that it, it had it was it kind of had to be done. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of like it it, well, it, I, I, I don't. I, the, I said the, it then when I read it, I didn't think it was that terrible. Yeah, you know, this is how I look at it. Spider-Man was broken, and and he had been allowed to kind of go long broken. So if you have a broken leg that sets wrong, <laughs> sometimes you have to break the leg again to fix it. And one more day was breaking the 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 bone that had set wrong. It hurt. It was painful, but it had to be done and now it's better. That's true. Mm-hmm. And and one more day wasn't entirely terrible. I, I thought the twist with the daughter was really neat. <laughs> That, that that was nice. Uh, well, not nice for Peter, but it was appropriate. We, when you make a deal with the devil, it should sting a little bit. Yeah, yeah we still don't I know did, what Mary Jane I said. Right. I, I honestly didn't feel that it was a, a poorly written story. Uh, I think people don't like what it did, but I don't think that those issues themselves were were poorly done. Uh, if you like, you know, either you like what they did or you don't like what they did. But I, I think people rip on it like it was a terribly written comic, and it wasn't. Yeah, and I, lo- I, I, I love it well, when people continue to rip on it today and and aren't reading it. Yeah, well, there was there was certainly a, a piling on with with that, and and you're right, not terrible. I didn't I didn't like it. It was very very transparent what they were doing, um, but you know, once they were done, it, it opened it opened the door to some really good spider-man stories getting back to to what makes that character good and so yeah i'm hey, i'm i'm reading spider-man three times a month now so there can't be that it's damn good where do we go from here what, what do we have to talk about oh i got a question oh let's <laughs> let's hear it and and not to uh if you guys don't want to talk about this that's fine um but i i honestly am, am very interested i i went back um the other day and i i read the first trade the the, the northlanders trade <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not doing this to. I'm not. I swear. I. I, <laughs> no, I, I promise. I would. I'm not doing it just to you know to pile on or anything. But I'm. I'm. Because I had started reading that initially in single issues, mm-hmm. and it, I got through. I don't know three or four issues, and then I, I stopped, and I was like, oh, I'll just wait for the trade. It seems like a story that that would be better than the trade. And, I, and then I went back and read it, and I really enjoyed it. But I was kind of curious because I haven't really heard what what you've said about it as far as what you didn't like about it and mm-hmm. and i mean that completely seriously i'm not trying sure. to like yeah um so uh and, and i should make well i should make it clear too that uh 
full disclosure, like you, I, I have not read the whole first trade. I, I stopped. Um, in fact, actually, there are a couple issues that I own that I stopped reading. I stopped reading it probably, I think, after three issues. Okay. Um, Can I say one thing to you before you start? I just want sure. you to you to be aware of something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this going into Northlanders, but from what I've read to date, the characters are not constant. Each storyline. Yeah, will, no, I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's like he what the, there's they're really Northlander miniseries collected under right. the North. You know, so it, what you may not have liked in the first story, you may like in the second and now the third. The, se- so. the, se- the second, the second trade is going to be a whole different set of characters than the right. first. Right. Uh, so, I didn't have a problem with the characters. I had a problem with the dialogue, which is the product of the writer. So I don't know that it's going to change much if they're different okay. Vikings saying the same kind of dialogue, but. Um, so yeah, my problem is this. I mean, I, you know, I read a lot of comics. I was very excited for Northlanders. I, you know, I thought, oh, cool Vikings. Um, I, I considered myself a Brian Wood fan at the time. I was relatively new to DMZ when that was announced. I had read, uh, I'd caught up on DMZ and loved pretty much every issue of it. Um, Northlanders comes beautiful Massimo Carnival cover. Um, art's fine. Sort of reading it and it just, literally from the first page, the dialogue struck me as completely false. Um, to the point where halfway through the first issue, I said to myself, this is ridiculously bad dialogue. And I kept reading it and thought, maybe it's just me. Uh, um, uh, let's see if it grows on me. Tried the second issue, tried the third, found it just as off-putting and said, nah, I've had enough of the series. You know, It's not for me, not my cuppa. Um Subsequent to that, I don't even remember how we got into it, but I, I somehow or another, it's become sort of a running joke the last few weeks about Northlanders and my dislike for it and and, <laughs> and, and the like. But but no, I mean, in, in all honesty, I, I and I'm you know not alone here. Although I think it's still a minority opinion, I'd say more people have enjoyed Northlanders than than not. Um, but I am not the only one out there that that just thinks the dialogue does it a disservice. When I read it, I felt like I was. A lot of people think that my complaint is the fact that he's dropping, you know the F-bomb every every few words. And that's not at all my problem. There's plenty of comics that have expletives all throughout that I enjoy. Um, my problem with it is, as I was reading it, I felt like if I didn't know Brian Wood's other works, I would have read that comic thinking, this is a guy that doesn't curse ever, and he's trying to be grim and gritty by using <laughs> expletives where they don't belong. Um, it was like, it reminded me as if my aunt was at a party and she gets riled up and tries to say fuck, but she's never said it before, so she says it in completely the wrong context. I felt like I was reading a story where these guys were saying fuck and shit and, and all kinds of other things, even though they normally wouldn't, just to try and sound tough. It just rang hollow to me, and so just couldn't hold my interest. Um, and somehow or another, it's become a, a jihad for the rest of you to convince me that I'm wrong. <laughs> but I'm curious to hear the rest of you, because I know, actually, if we go back and listen to the first time we all talked about Northlanders, Mr. Neesman, before I ever even talked about it, said he, too, had a problem with the dialogue. Now, apparently, but, you got past he, it. Right, but that was when he was he did not read the complete first arc. Correct, as I have not. R- right, so he yeah, worked it, it out. Uh, yeah, it. Um, the, I, I tried it. The, the first two issues in singles had the same problem you did, Wood. It just it didn't it didn't grab me. The and I I'm very much a dialogue snob. If the dialogue is not crisp, if if it doesn't if it doesn't read like it should sound, then then I have a lot of a lot of issues. It's my my major holdup with manga is that I think that that dialogue in 99 percent of the manga out there is terrible just because it's it's lost in translation. Um, when I read it in the 
the trade. It was kind of a Sin City effect for me. It's you know if you read a Sin City story by itself, it's it's very campy, um, not noir but noirish copy. It's just kind of you know. N- not spoofing that that era of filmmaking, but you know it's not it's not traditional dialogue. But if you sit down and read, uh, you know, a volume of Sin City, or you watch the movie, you can kind of kind of fall into that world. And that's what happened with me with Northlanders. Once I read, sat down and read the entire trade, it's like okay, I, I can kind of push this off to the side, get into the world, and and it just read a lot better for me then. Right. And I turned my mic off because my dogs are barking. <laughs> all right, that, that, that that's all right. Well, you see, the, this is the thing I asked Wood on the forum, and I'm curious to to see what, to hear your answer. Was I asked you in when you're reading an issue of Northlanders, right. in in what language are those characters speaking to you? Like when you read a dialogue balloon, what language are these characters speaking in? What do you hear in 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 your 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 mind's ear? Well, I mean, I, I'm just curious. I, I hear English. Okay, see, that's the thing. You can't, the characters are not speaking in English. None of the characters are, no, listen to me, hear me out. None of the characters in Northlanders are speaking English. It's a, it's a, a work of fiction created for an English reading audience, okay? So everything in those dialogue boxes and balloons are approximations of what those characters are really saying. That, if you, if you approach it from that angle, the 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 fucks and all the the swear words and all the you know even the even the, the the meter of their speech is in English, which is probably not the way they're speaking. They're probably sounding something like the Swedish chef mixed with some kind of you know Germanic language. Right, right. So what Wood is doing is he's taking their language and approximating what it would be in English for you, the reader. Right, not 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 Jason Wood, you mean? That's what I said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The good wood is is taking (laughs) the language and making it in and translating it into a form that's that makes sense to you. And and when you think about Northlanders, look at the land itself. It's a hard land. These these guys are not nobility. Even crazy Uncle Gorm is not nobility. He's a farmer who found himself in a position of power. So you're talking about common man. They're not going to be talking like Thor in flowery language. They're going to be talking their salt of the earth. They're going to be speaking like everyday Joe. So th- Jordan, that's I what get that. I guess what I'm saying is, is, again, I read plenty of comics where about average people speaking in average ways. I, I, my issue was that in reading that, I didn't get that. In reading it, I got that as though Brian Wood was trying to write as though they were common tough guys, but doesn't know what a common tough guy really speaks like. But they are tough guys. They, li- they live in a land where if you fall asleep outside, you're dead. The Maybe land is... This is where I no. think we're having a disconnect. I'm telling you that as I was reading it, I was getting the impression that Brian Wood, the writer, was trying to write them as if they were common tough guys, which they are, but was doing a terrible job at it. He was writing mm. though. See, I didn't get that. It was his interpretation of what a common tough guy would sound like, but in essence, he was sounding like an erudite guy that lives in 2008 and is in a a neo-intellectual and has really no idea what a tough guy from the streets would sound like. That's what I was coming from. I I don't understand that. They all speak in plain language. There's nothing complex well, again, about I mean, their... It's like I said in the forums. There's no right or wrong here. I mean, I... I right. And I, I'm I, lying I, about yeah. it. It's, it's rare for me to not... It's extremely rare for me to not read a comic that I've already paid good money for because I'm a cheap bastard. And so it takes a lot for me to not... I mean, to have a book 
to start a, a, an arc and not finish it, it takes a lot for me to genuinely – something about it genuinely doesn't resonate with me. And in this case, uh, maybe it was lofty expectations again because I did expect it to be very good. It left me so disinterested that I was fine with stopping three issues in and had really zero oh. interest. And I would never have thought twice about what happened beyond those three issues had it not come back up and been on so many people's best of lists. And, and you guys clearly liked it and it just kind of became a thing we should talk about. But, but Yeah, but you need to get past the hurdle because the, the payoff <laughs> – no, really. The payoff to, to, to Northlanders is, is really – uh, substantial, I would say, because you have a character in Sven who is a complete. Well, he's a, he's a jerk when when he gets when he comes back home after that initial battle on the sea. He he's a complete jerk. He's looking out for only one person, and that's himself. I mean, he comes back for the money aspect. He doesn't come come back to to save his people or or his. Um, for any kind of nationalistic ties or cultural ties. He just comes back for himself. But by the end of the book, and I won't blow it for anybody who haven't read it, the character does a, a complete 360. He learns along the way. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, because I know you guys... Yeah, <laughs> 180, see? I suck with numbers, too, and pronunciation. You guys have all, I, at least it sounds like like the, the four of you are, have all read through the first trade. So I'll, I'll open up this, too, because I actually haven't finished it. But I will say that um, certainly from where I thought the story was going, and then subsequently hearing discussions about what actually does happen, it also, to me, struck me as a very contrived, been-done-a-thousand-times story, which is the, the prodigal son returns. So... Are you telling me that that's not what happened? Because it sounds to me like that's exactly what happens. Oh no, he's I, not the prodigal son. No, well, he and he, it doesn't. It certainly nephew, doesn't end prodigal in that. nephew. Then, well, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't. I mean, there's a certain convention there of him coming back and not, like Vince said, not wanting to be the prodigal son, not not taking over, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know coming back strictly for his own benefit of of wanting the money that is rightfully his and not caring about the people of the land or anything else. And that changes over the course of the story, but not in a necessarily typical fashion. And it, right. certainly, it certainly doesn't end in, in sort of a cliche uh, way as, as you might. So while I think the convention is there of, of that, you know, time-tested, you know, uh, prodigal son returning to, to, to home, mm-hmm. um, it, the rest of the story doesn't really play out that way. But but I was wondering, um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and try and convince you to read it or, or to like it. I mean, if you don't like it, you don't like it, whatever. I mean, it's not a perfect book, and certainly you don't have to like it. But I was wondering, you, you about it, it strikes me kind of interesting about the dialogue. I didn't really pick up on that. Why I didn't think the dialogue was particularly strong. I didn't feel like it was really weak. But what you were saying about how he, you know it seemed like Brian Wood didn't know how to write. Um, a, a common tough guy. Have you read his DMZ work? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, this is my issue, right? Is that um, I enjoyed the reason I, I read Northlanders in the first place is that I've read DMZ from from the start and liked it, and that's why I agree with you. That's my that's that's where I'm really perplexed, and it's a fair it's a fair point to make, Sal. Which is that I I, I know there are people that don't necessarily like DMZ. I ha- I think DMZ is great. I love it, and I think there are plenty of expletives in that, and I think it's it strikes me as perfectly natural. So maybe well, do, you think, of, do you think? Do you think? Because the, there's obviously there's you know a lot of very common tough guys in DMZ throughout uh, mm-hmm. the, that book. Did you find do you find the same issue with that dialogue or, or is no it- no not at all? And so that's why I said I don't. Again, it's the way I took it. So I don't know if it's if it does have something to do with the fact that maybe I don't think Vikings, even if they were tough Vikings, should speak that way. I don't. I mean that could that could well be it. All I know is that I was not at all taken out of the story ever in DMZ by the dialogue. But I wasn't this. So again, maybe it's my own 
subconscious expectations for the way I think these guys should speak. And and well, I don't think they should say these or thous. I'm not you know I don't need they don't need to speak like Thor. But but again maybe it's right. I just I guess because um, it's very this, it's very modern. Yeah, yeah, it's sort yeah, of very modern not, dialogue for something told you know a story told thousands of years ago. Yeah, right. It's uh, what was well, the uh, what was the uh, uh, was it Romeo and Juliet a few years ago the Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. where it was the but Baz it was Lerman the old yeah. it was the yeah. old speak and the in the present day and it, it is kind of jarring to be in you know the in a past time you know period piece with modern with modern uh, languages is, is is a little is a little odd. Um, hey guys, I'm I need to I need to drop uh, drop out here. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, hey, yeah, I gotta. I, I gotta run. Um, I just, uh, Marta just got home, and and uh, and I haven't oh, seen her in a couple of days. So I'm gonna hand oh. things over to Sal, so he can uh, he can fill in for me, and then and then uh, uh, he'll be back next week as well. Um, but I was gonna um, pass along one bit of information while I was running around there for a minute. So uh, you guys can talk about it if you want. Uh, the Watchman case got settled. So nice. no, disrup- no disruption in uh, in Watchmen uh, hitting uh, hitting movie theaters. So it looks like uh, uh, Warner gave uh, Fox a big old bag of money. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I gotta I gotta take off, but always fun, and I'll be back next week. Bye. bye. All right. Bye, bye, guys. In this bird, I hear the moon thing. See the moon thing? Over here, the boom is open. Forget the hoop, just hear the hoop. Hey, this is Darryl. I've watched Hancock for the last, let me see, I've watched about six, seven times. From one of them times, a couple of times I was drunk, a couple of times I was sober. I don't give a damn what anybody say. Hancock is a good and fun movie. Fuck that. It ain't bad. There's nothing wrong with it. It has some holes, but it's still a fun movie. You can sit down and enjoy it. And Super Heroics in it is good, and I hope they do a sequel. And it made money, and it was better than wanted. And it didn't try to be fake and shit, because wanted act like it was, it wasn't even part of the comic. It was bullshit. It was a whole, it was an action movie. Wanted didn't even part of the comic book. It was just action. Just a damn action movie. I don't know. Later. Fuck it. Hey, this is Darrell again. I read... The Invincible Iron Man by Matt Fraction and Salvador Roca. His art is beautiful in that book. And the story was good. It wasn't worth no $24.99. I don't know what kind of bullshit Marvel is doing with the overpricing the trades for six issues. But it was a good book. I mean, it showed, it gave Tony a bad villain. I mean, that Stain character, the son of Stain, was, was pretty good. I, I wish, you know, he didn't kill a guy. Well, he didn't kill him, so he can't come back. But it was it was a good story. And I, the art was just beautiful. I just loved the art. I loved the way he drew the armor. Sometimes the characters did look different in the faces a couple of times. Like, Maria Hill didn't look like Maria Hill in a couple of different scenes. But 
Other than that, it was a good damn story. Check it out. I I, I liked it. Well, you know, what was I going to say before Chris threw the the roadblock in things or the speed bump? Um, the dialogue, modern, modern dialogue. We yeah, the, the language is not that complex, and fuck is an old word. Mm-hmm. So aside from that, maybe it's the way the the words are are arranged that you don't like because I don't think there's anything that has appeared in the sentence that could not be considered you know an old word or at least a, a word that's not flowery or 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 uh, lofty kind of of speech. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I I can certainly see. I, I mean, maybe it's just expectation. I mean, you don't expect mm-hmm. so, you know someone in uh, you know. For whatever it was, 980 AD or whatever, whenever the time period was, uh, yeah, to speak uh, in exact, you know, as if they were standing on the corner today. I mean, right. while the the words are the same, the the you know the diction the and the the you know just sort of the delivery of it is certainly different. And maybe, like I said, maybe it's just convention because. Whenever you seem to, you know, whenever you see a movie or whenever you you read a comic, and I'm not saying you, I'm I'm saying us, uh, me, sure. you know, um, we've always seen, you know, uh, a change in how the, the the words are delivered, and so when you see something that's supposed to be uh, old, uh, and and then the, the dialogue isn't delivered in that way, I could certainly see where that would be, maybe, um, I don't, I mean, it would be something that would be jarring or, or unlikable about it. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't personally, like I said, I didn't think it was particularly f- fantastic. I didn't think it was bad. It, it was just sort of there. I, I enjoyed the story enough to sort of not, you know, it didn't matter one way or the other with the dialogue, but I was just interested. I, I Like I said, I wasn't trying to... Sure, sure. You know. I'm a victim of, very much a victim in all types of media consumption of, of expectations, um, and I wish I could cure myself of it, but um, oftentimes I will end up disappointed in something that had I gone in with little to no expectations would probably enjoy uh, and, and vice versa you know if it's something that I, you know that probably isn't that good you know com- comparable to other things I could jo- enjoy it if I didn't go in I mean you know perfect example um, like Hancock and Wanted right I mean I watched both of those we watched watch DVDs over the Christmas holiday I didn't expect either to be very good so I watched them and they were enjoyable so they satisfied me right but whereas when I go to see Watchmen if it's not pitch perfect to the comic I, I'm probably going to end up thinking it, it was a huge disappointment and I know that you know that that's my own you know flaw but but I, I do that with all things I mean if if I'm reading an issue of um, you know some indie that I try on on a whim because it looks cool I'm going to be far less likely to be judgmental of that uh, than I would be if it's something um, you know, like Blackest Night next year, which I'm expecting to be a badass from the start. You know what I mean? So it's just, really? I mean, I know, yeah, I know that's a fault, but that, that's how, that's, I mean, so in this regard, I think because I considered myself such a fan of DMZ and Brian Wood, I thought, wow, this is going to be kick-ass. And, and maybe that, I mean, that's certainly part of it is, is it didn't meet my own preconceptions of what it was going to be. Um, so. I always tend to be a little bit harder on alternate, like indie books, because I figure there's no one over their shoulder. There's no one, you know. There's not really any even a, a time constraint. They can spend as much time telling that story and crafting their their comic. Whereas mainstream stuff, you know, there's a there's editors and there's time time constraints. And so I'm always a little bit harder on indie stuff than I am sometimes on 
on mainstream stuff. But hey, did any did any of you guys read um, the Winterman? They they just finished up that series. Were any of you reading that? No, Wachter loves it, right? Uh, I believe, yeah, yeah. I believe Dave is a huge fan of it. Uh, John Paulion, yes, who's uh-huh. friggin' awesome. Um, yeah, he is. But you want to talk about dialogue because that's all set or mostly set in 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 Moscow and Russia and 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 uh, dealing with these Russian uh, characters and the dialogue's very interesting in that because it is um, like you were talking about earlier, like an interpretation uh, of of their understanding of English or or uh, inter- reinterpretation from Russian to English, sort of, um, and it's a little. It's a little hard at first to sort of understand that or grasp that that these characters are speaking in broken English and and because it's not done like um, very typically you know it's not like really cliche Russian accent written down um, it, it's done a lot subtler than that and a lot smarter uh, but you kind of have to get that in the beginning or otherwise it, it's I think it's a little harder to understand but it was uh, it's a shame that that series didn't come out all eight issues it it ended up uh, only being six, but mm. man, was it good! Uh, it, it was, especially like the thir- I think it was the third or fourth issue, was sort of almost like a standalone story within the con- within the the, the main story, and uh, it was one of the best like buddy cop comics that I've ever read. It was really good, but I definitely recommend that. But go into it kind of knowing that the the dialogue is uh, a little tricky at, at, in the beginning. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. It's it's very very good. I mean, it, like I said, it's a shame it didn't come out all eight issues like it was originally intended. But even so, they were able to wrap it up in six and uh, and give you a pretty full story. Mm-hmm. And they are art's just mind blowing. Oh yeah, Leon's great. Yeah, but just getting back to Northlanders for for a second, uh, I, I think the thing that worked the best for me was the Raven. <laughs> the, yeah. As as uh, uh, the hunt, huntsman's daughter called it, his shadow. And w- when when you you get from the first issue to the the last part, you can understand why. Because when Sven comes to this land, he's doing the same thing a raven would do. Those birds are scavengers, and they they feast on the dead. That's what he's doing. He, he has no concern for anything but himself. He's an opportunist, and he's coming in picking the bones of these people, or trying to pick the bones, and, and the, the raven is the perfect analog for him. And then it kind of switches towards the end, but we won't say that. Cause yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think my favorite part of the overall story was the relationship between him and... Um Oh, the the big guy, H- Hawker or whatever his name Hakar, was. Hawker, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I I just really enjoyed how he sort of developed that, and the the change in the end wasn't that uh, like it didn't feel like it was unrealistic. Right. It was a very gradual thing too. Yeah. And, and I don't know if Sven was forgiving or if he just realized that he was doing something for the betterment of something other than himself, but. Hakar took, or Hacker, or whatever, however you say it, I'm not, you know, again, uh, took a, a lot away from Sven. When you look back and see all of the stuff that he did, he, uh, well, can, spoilers, okay? He he killed that elderly couple that Sven knew as a child. Mm-hmm. He ba- he basically handed him, uh, Sven, the head of his uh, <laughs> his girlfriend in a bag. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and at the end, basically, he 
he's not friendly with the guy, but he realizes that there's no other person to do what he he ultimately ends up doing, but his his enemy. So, well, I think part of it is is because of Sven's. I mean, like you said in the beginning, Sven is not a good guy, and I no. think they're very similar characters. If Sven was on the other side of it, he would be yeah. no less ruthless. So you know, kind of keep that in mind too. Is that he's you know he they're kind of the same same character in a lot of ways, and they're both warriors and and you know, I mean, you look at that opening that opening uh, scene in the book. You know, uh, Sven's just you know murdering people. You know, yeah. <laughs> helplessly at at one point. You know, the and, first and, issue of Northlanders affected me the same as the first episode of NYPD Blue. Because after I watched that first episode, I said, Sipowitz is a dick. How the hell can I watch this series? (laughs) And it's the same thing with Sven. I mean, when he killed the old man, I was, I had, how could you have compassion for a character like that? Yeah. Who, who takes a life when he really didn't have to. Right. And I think my, I think my, my my oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My only complaint. Well, we can talk about that now. Chris left. Yeah, we can. We can. I I read it. I can talk about it. Nice. Uh, but but back to Northlanders. One, um, the one other thing I was going to say is uh, the only the only complaint I really had about it was I thought um, near the end with Sven's transformation, I thought it was a little quick, and and only in in like page count, not in because he tried to sort of give you the sense of time passing, and he did mm-hmm. it okay, but I would have liked the. I didn't think it was handled, you know, like as well as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And it seemed a little quickly uh, in the end, you know, sort of in the end, his transformation seemed a little, just a little quickly, but, you know, it, it certainly didn't ruin it or anything for me. I, I well, well, spending all that time with Enna in the cave, living you know. Yeah, he gave you the sense of time, you know, time uh, passing mm-hmm. um, in the story, but, I, but I'm just saying like the actual pages, it seemed like, Pretty pretty swift. Pretty swiftly, and and, yeah. and I almost would have liked to have seen a little more happening in there to show that transformation because it did it did when it happened it sort of was like oh that seemed a little just a little you know uh, too quickly a, a little too easily for him to to completely sort of change who he was. Right. Um, but I'll tell you what that scene where he uh, and and once again this is a major spoiler in the book when he uh, kills Gorm. And and the dialogue in that was just fantastic, and that was a, yeah. just a great you know uh, uh, culmination. Uh, and, scene. and the whole thing with with going, re- requesting a sword. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that thing broke my heart. It really did. And, and well, and then he turns around and and offers the same. I mean, he helps his uh, the, the lover. Thora, Thora, yeah, Thora, I think and, I, and before I forget, just as far as. Um, when when you were saying Vince, you know why he, why Sven gave everything up and and handed it over to uh, to a car. I'm I'm thinking, you know, sometimes the way I look at things is he if if he were to continue, it's kind of almost the way the same thing where he had to go when the Saxons were invading. You know, he's I, I think he didn't he wasn't I don't want to say he wasn't ready to meet his end, but if he kept fighting it probably wasn't going to end well with him so i think it's possible with 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 enna he kind of looked as having a 
not a new beginning or, or new life, but at least he could be content and, and not have to worry about I mean, he just got done with a war, and, and he's been fighting a lot. So instead of it ending badly for him, he'll... Well, he kind of ran away a little bit at the end. I mean, he sort of ran away from it yeah. to some degree in the end. I mean, while but, he but gave not, up... But not without, yeah... Not without leaving it in capable hands. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. Right. right. You're right. No, no. But at the same time, is it would it have been braver for him to? And I don't think he wanted to end it that way. Right. Right. Well, it's a smart man, but it's just yes. Smart man that realizes that he's not made for the position of leadership. Oh, that's true. Absolutely. No, he's a very interesting character because of all those things. I mean, it's he's not a, a simple character, and that's what no. That's what makes him good. I think. Yeah, the art the art was stunning. Colors were oh, that first issue is perfect. (laughs) I had no problem with the art. So yeah, the first issue is beautiful. I love the way they singled him out with the red vest. Once he gets back to the settlement, and everyone has these drab earth tones and and dark colors, and he's standing there with a red vest on. He just sticks out like a sore thumb, and and that's appropriate because he was an outsider. And the black hair. I thought the black hair was the same thing. Yeah, 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 Yeah. and then. And then the other way to tell that that time had passed with the gray beard and everything. The one normally I'm not a big fan of um, of okay the story's moving along and now his like, like like old inventory tales or like Camelot Falls you know where everything's moving nicely with with, with Busiek and Pacheco Marino and then okay here's here's an inventory story. Here we had everything progressing you know real time moving forward and now we're going to go back 20 years to uh, him meeting him being a slave and, and or what what he couldn't do when when his mom scolded him and and uh he get he runs away gets picked well, by he, a slave he, he he could have he didn't want to that okay all right See, yeah I, yeah uh the the main story stops right there so we can get the backstory on his the years prior to his mm-hmm. return home and and it didn't it it didn't, didn't work for you. That didn't work for no, you. No, no, no. I'm saying normally, normally I'd be like, "Well, this just this just killed. It. This just took me out of the story." But it 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 really did work, and I didn't I didn't mind that whole pretty much issue of a flashback. And again, with Zoe, the chick from Constantinople, there was no commitment. Right. That's that's re- that's very important. They they never got married. They 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 basically feasted off. The riches of, they derived from each other, and they went and did their own little dalliances on the side, but they, they still had a, a loyalty to each other. And that's, that's, the character did not want to commit in any way until that, that the Saxons uh, right. bat, battle. That's, that's the turning point. That's when I think he, he, it was almost second nature to him to slip into that role where, you know, I am one of these people. So it's, it's either step up or I get my head chopped off. Yeah. And he he really didn't have all that much of a choice. Well, so. also if you, if you remember um, when he's first meets with the old couple, I can't remember their names. Uh, the Eversons. Yes, the Eversons. When he when he first is talking mm-hmm. to them, and 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 Mister Everson is is telling him about you know oh stay here a while and this land will will start to mean something more to you and and his response is yeah no no fucking chance old man and, you know he's thinking that in his head <laughs> and and. Then at the end, you see him, you know, in even more of a bleak, you know, he he, he sends himself and his family to an even more bleak place. Um, 
that he's sort of proud of. And it's, and I think that's kind of important too, because it's like the change in his attitude wasn't just the fact that the Saxons had come, but I think also the realization of what started to become important, what was really important to him was the thing that he had left behind of, of family and, and uh, right. a, a place, a home, a, a, a sense of identity mm-hmm. um, that he hadn't had since he was a child. Right. Uh, because his loyalty at the end, and, and he explicitly says it, is I, I will be loyal to this child. Yeah. So, so he does take up the yoke of the family, mm-hmm. whether, whether or not it's with his, quote, people. He's making his own people. So it, it, you know, whether it was in the settlement or somewhere else, he still does that 180. Which is, it, it, the journey I, was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was, and and I'm glad it was. That was it. You know, at the end when it, when I real because I didn't realize that that he wasn't gonna, you know, this wasn't an ongoing with Sven. <laughs> this wasn't and then Sven's I get to the, story, right? And I get to the end and I go, oh, wow, that's you know, that's actually good, you know, because oh yeah, I don't I don't need to see any more Sven. His right. story is done. And now I want to see something else. Yeah, yeah it's it. It's I would like story, to s- but not his title. Right. right. I would like to see maybe around issue thirty, or say, you know, if the title does is blessed with long life, hopefully, maybe somewhere down the line, seeing Sven as an old older man with a bunch of children and maybe grandchildren, that would be really cool. <laughs> It'd be kind of yeah. interesting to see if he's able to build, you know, almost, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, the one kind of bullets but, type thing. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to see. Maybe later on down the road, or maybe just him, you know, uh, as a as a side character at some point. Yeah. Or even if we see him, that there's another tale where he's he's in Constantinople with Zoe, and it's just it's it's a story that he'll he's not even like a, a pulp fiction type deal, right? Yeah, he just sees the yeah. guy, or you know, he he has an argument with with, That'd be with cool. the character of the next story, and it's just yeah, somebody yeah. that. And and Wood, you should really check out the first issue of the next arc. It's called Lindisfarne. You thought the language was <laughs> pretty pretty uh, bad in the in the in the first story. They dropped the c word. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that I might like. <laughs> I really because are, aren't they Irish in the, in the second one? I think. Oh, the, well, see now you're talking my language. <laughs> yeah, I think they're Irish in the Lindisfarne story. I, I don't quote me because, uh, again, history geography not my thing. But yeah, there the there's a boy, very much in the same case as uh, young Sven doesn't want to be where he is, and uh, he's pretty much. Um, well, I won't ruin it for you, but yeah, well, the lang- the language is pretty uh, gratuitous. I will say that I think that sometimes it's not often, but <clears throat> I, I guess sometimes you can your first experience with an artist, whether it be a comic writer or a illustrator or a movie maker, or whatever, can can be a head fake because um, as much as I love DMZ and, and clearly have not liked Northlanders, um, I, I I definitely don't think I I am as appreciative of local as most people either. I I, I read local over uh, Christmas. I got the the hardcover, which is beautiful, beautifully packaged. Um, and and I uh, I didn't dislike it by any means, but that book is probably one of the most universally praised books in in the comics podcasting forum community. I mean, I I, I can't think of many people, if any, that I've ever seen, heard or read disparage that book. And uh, and and again, while I didn't dislike it, um, I I did not think it was 
the bee's knees, if you will. I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty flawed effort, to be honest with you. Uh, there right. were parts I liked, parts I didn't like. So I don't know if maybe I'm just not really a, a Brian Wood guy, and, and DMZ just because of the subject matter is, is such that you know that, that one thing works for me, but uh, I just don't know. Cause, well, as far as local goes, I, I read it, and I definitely think, well, I won't say it was flawed. Uh, I'm definitely out of the age bracket for that title, I think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I appreciated it, but it didn't really speak to me as a forty-three-year-old dude. <laughs> dude, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it, but I, I, I'm not knocking the execution of it at all. Correct. It's just correct. that it, it yeah, I, I, it was there. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with me. I guess uh, my first reaction to it was I just don't re- relate to her. But then I thought that's a cop out because there are plenty of characters and books. I mean, Christ, we read superhero books. I don't relate to fucking super strong guys that can fly either so right. it's not that right. I don't relate to her it's that I think and I, I really thought long and hard about it it's that I don't like her I, have you I've have read, you read yeah. more than one issue of that or, or I read the whole hard co- the whole hardcover I read the whole series because um, there's the more than, for, that's for my birthday that's um, not one character right like one well, no, that's, that's a bunch of stories isn't it well she's the it, it, it's her she, it's her story she's I haven't read it in a while so I don't remember but yeah no it's uh, Megan is the it's Megan's her name right yeah I think it's uh, she she's the main it's it's her story from it chronicles her from eighteen to uh, her early thirties. I mean, the last story is her in her early thirties returning home, um, and there's other other characters obviously that certain issues focus on, and she's quite a, sort of in the background. But uh, but I guess I came to the conclusion I just don't like her. She's she's not the kind of person I would probably be friends with. Certainly not the kind of woman I'd be attracted to. Um, she's kind of a loser. I mean, she's, to me, she's a loser, and and I just so it, it isn't that I don't relate to her. It's that I I really I do know people or have known people like her in in, in my life, and and I didn't like them. So uh, that's kind of what it comes down to for me. Good story. The art Ryan Kelly's artwork is beautiful. He deserves all the praise that he gets. Beautifully packaged book. Um, no problem with the dialogue there. I think the dialogue's fine. But uh, yes, yeah, Vince like to say, not my cuppa. That's right. That's right. So, I, you know, I think we, we did the Northlanders thing to death. How about that? Yes. You, yes. you, you, stated, you stated your case, and nobody can fault you for it. Preach. You know, you kind of, yeah, all right. Respect. Hello, all. This is Chad Seawald, Gawain from the forums. And I just wanted to call in and say thank you so very much for all the well wishes. Uh, I snuck away. Connor's sleeping right now, and he's doing remarkably well. So well, the doctors even want him to get up and try and walk around tomorrow, uh, which will be his second day after reconstructive skull surgery. I just wanted to say thank you once again for all the support you guys have thrown our way. It's meant so much to me and Heather, and everyone have a wonderful week, and just know that all your well wishes are reflected right back for you and your families. Thanks again, and have a great week. Do we talk about Final Crisis Six, or oh, do we talk about something? Wait, wait how about? To, wait, can I can I bring up one other book before? Yeah, just because I really want to talk. Well, maybe I don't have to because I could talk about. Um, on What's the book? Come on. Has come anybody on. has anybody read Gorillas? No. no. Image? That especially the first issue is absolutely phenomenal. Hmm. Uh, it because it's it's really, and I don't want to give anything away in it, but basically. It starts off, and, and, and it's basically a kid in, in Vietnam. It's like his first week in Vietnam. And you're reading this story, and it has very indie sensibilities. Uh, the way that it's, it's done is, is almost as if you were reading um, a letter someone had written from Vietnam, 
and then that's sort of the captions, and then you're seeing the uh, him actually in Vietnam in in the panels, um, and what he's saying and what he's doing aren't necessarily the same thing, uh, but they 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 correlate extremely well. Um, you know, he'll, he'll be talking about you know he, basically this as the story goes, the captions all say what he like what he did leading up to Vietnam, and then the story itself in the panels are all what he is doing in this this first week in Vietnam. And it's horrific, but the two correlate amazingly well, as good as any indie book I've seen. And and, and I've seen this sort of thing done in indie books a lot, where you know you're, you're they're talking about one thing and doing something else, and the two uh, you know sort of um, coincide with one another, even though they're two separate things. So that that's done extremely. So I'm sitting and reading it, and and that's going on. I'm like, wow, this is really interesting to do a Vietnam book in this style. Uh, really makes a lot of sense. And then I get to the last page, and it completely changes everything that that book is mm. in a in a good way. And it's just oh. like not expecting it in any way whatsoever, but completely changes that entire book in the last page of that first issue. And I've read the second and third issues since, um, and and it's it's really good. It's beautiful artwork, and it's a really cool story and 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 very unique. Um, in his storytelling, but if, if nothing else, read that first issue, and if that doesn't hook you, I don't know what will, but it... it Sounds was, like it's the perfect first issue. It, it just about is. <laughs> it was for me. I mean, it was just uh, so well done to me, um, and, the, and the art is extremely good, too. Very, you know, brush style, uh, lots of blacks kind of thing, but it, really, really pretty. But that first issue, I thought, was just so well written. And like I said, it, it, it starts off, I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. This is you know, such a smart idea to do an, a, a Vietnam story this way because I hadn't really seen anything like this. Because it feels very much like an indie, almost autobiographical, you know, Jeffrey Brown story in some way, except mm-hmm. if, Jeffrey, if Jeffrey Brown went to Vietnam. Oh, uh, man. To some degree, you know. <laughs> and, and, and then, like I said, you get to that last page, and it blows that entire thing out of the water. And you're just like, What? <laughs> And but wow. it, in a good in a really good way. So I would highly recommend Gorillas uh, to to everybody to check that out. Well, it looks like we lost Wood, so I guess we should just continue until he comes back. This well, is an adventure. Oh yes, it has been. We're losing. People. And then there were three. <laughs> really, I mean, <laughs> one's the guest. That's awesome. <laughs> Sal, did you read the Secret Origin arc of Green Lantern? Yes, I did. I All did. right, we can talk about that. Sure. We, David, you read the whole thing, yes? We could talk about that, yeah. Oh, I don't know. No, no, we can't. No, I have, I have no, no problem talking. I, I seem to be the only person who's actually read the first issue of Vigilante. So, I mean, I don't have to go into that, so we can save that for later. But you can no, talk we, about that. No, no, Why no, no, not? no. I'll wait till someone else has read the damn thing. But I'll, I'll talk uh, about everything nobody else has read. So. I looked at it. I thought Rick Leonardi's art was great. It it, it is. It is. But no, yeah. we can no, we can definitely talk about. It. I haven't talked about Hal in a while, so we can we can talk about Green Lantern. All right. Well, you know, I'm big into the the Grant Morrison, Alan Moore magic with a K. You know that. <laughs> Everybody who comes to the forum knows that. And I'm I'm reading Secret Origin, and it pretty much lays out the mechanics of the core. How the how the 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 guardians set it up? It it, it lays out uh, the incident with the manhunters and just you know how the the rings work and everything. And I'm I got to the maybe the sixth chapter because what there were seven seven parts to it, and and I'm thinking why hasn't Grant Morrison exploited the fact that 
The Green Lantern rings, while there is a technological aspect to it, in my opinion, the lantern's rings are powered by magic. Um, well, it's the, they're, they're controlled. The power is controlled by willpower. Exactly. That's, that's the thing that makes me think, think that. Because chaos magic, the whole, the thing that drives chaos magic is willpower. Willpower is the thing you use to, as a stepping stone to get results, to, I don't want to use the word conjure, to manifest things into reality from nothing more than thought. Right. And, and, the, and the whole charging ritual, I mean, if that's not magic, come on. And, and I'm thinking, why has Grant Morrison never exploited this? Maybe because it's Jeff Johns' baby. Yeah, I think, I, well, I mean, for one, you have, um, what's his name, the original Green Lantern, Jay Garrick. Is that no? That's Alan Scott. Alan Scott, Alan Scott. Um, whose powers are based on magic, right? right. But he's not a Green and, Lantern, which I think is retarded. Uh, <laughs> but I, don't know how, I know he it uses the star um, star sapphire. Uh, or something. No, no, not, not the star, star sapphire. Stars uh, that that star gem or whatever the hell. Well, it I see. Is. I don't even think that is part of it. Now it's just part of him, and it's just like. Right, but initially it, it was yeah. that 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 star crystal thing or whatever. But getting back to the, the rings, the he you you are chosen as a lantern based on your willpower. Based no, yes? based based on your well, not on your, well, on your, your fear, fear on your on your aversion to fear. Lack of fear. Lack right. Of fear. Okay, but you, you are fearless and which which ties into willpower to a certain degree you 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 have to have like if if you couldn't focus your willpower you wouldn't be able to operate the ring right 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 and that's what magic is magic is is the willpower uh over using the will to influence reality if you subscribe to that i mean well, yeah, simulated I mean, I stereos agreeing with me but everybody else is like what what they what are the what i don't get <laughs> well, no, it no i i but, think it depends I mean, I think they've always just, like, DC has always kept those two things sort of separate. You have your magical characters, and they've never really explained all that much how magic in the DC universe works. I mean, you have incidents of, you know, specific characters, but, I mean, if you look at, like, the magical characters in the DC universe, they all sort of work differently. Because nobody sat down and go, this is how magic works in the DC universe. You know, there's so many different magical characters and how they all sort of use magic is is sort of inherently their own and then the green lanterns have always been more science fiction and and tech technological while there is the willpower and 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 that aspect of it i think it was always more i think it was always meant to be more based on uh just your character than necessarily any sort of belief in something other than yourself and you know what i mean so the, the the thing that I'm I'm uh, focusing on is even though the ring is a is a piece of technology, to get the ring to work, it, it's not like pulling a trigger on a gun. It's not a simple cause and effect thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 more where you have to. Th- it's based on thought. Right? Sure. Yes. So so how could a piece of technology be kicked into gear by thought? There has to be another layer to this that they've never explored. Yeah, you can't you I, can't just think a gun to fire. Well, right? You, but how to, but then you could you could sort of take that to any superpower really. How does Superman fly? He thinks it. Yellow sun. Well, that that gives him the energy, but how does he manifest that energy into flight or, you know, yeah. You, you, so I mean, you could if you start going down that road of like 
well, this is magic, then what isn't really? Mm-hmm. It's a superpower. <laughs> well, yeah, Batman. You know, but I do, I do wish that Morrison would someday explore that because no, I think no, no. Oh yes, no, yes. The gran- leave my Green Lanterns alone. I don't want. <laughs> Let me get Jason Grant. back. He's I don't here. want. Oh, he's back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen to you, my Green Lanterns. You're not blue. Uh, let's see here. Everybody's back now. What happened? What? Uh, no idea. DSL kicked out on me for a while there. Oh. Uh, well, it's good to have you back, buddy. I, yes. I was just complaining about Grant Morrison and yeah, we, how I... <laughs> oh, oh. No, I no, was... No. I, <laughs> Vince was baiting. I was having flashbacks to the last time Sal was on the show. Yeah, I was trying to bait him a little bit. But I, yeah, I was just saying that I think that the Green Lanterns, uh, the power rings are magic-based. And I was wondering why Grant Morrison didn't exploit this fact before. And and I, I probably answered my own question by saying because it's Jeff Johns' baby. And if Jeff Johns wanted to do it, it probably would have been done by now. So. Right. And, and Grant just got done ruining Batman, and he's about to ruin the rest oh, of the season. Ruining? So let him, ruining? Let him, are you, give, him, give, him, give him time to talk about the wow. Green Lanterns. It's like you well, just here, shit here. right in my lap. <laughs> here's, an, here's another thought. You could break the strength. Here's another thought in the Green Lantern magic thing. I think the Green Lant- the power of the Green Lanterns is bigger than magic. And and I don't mean that as a uh I, I think to me, from any understanding of magic that I've had or, or what people have written specifically in comic books or in fiction about magic, is it's you know, no matter what uh you believe in magically, uh or how you think magic works. Not what you believe in, I shouldn't say, but how you think magic may work in a fictional universe. It's all sort of uh, how you, you know, turn energy from one thing into something else, basically. Or manifest energy. Or manifest, well, but you can't manifest energy. All you, all you, well, no, I mean, you can't. You can manifest energy. You can't manifest energy in physics. You can okay. only well, change you, you, it from one thing to another. Right. And okay. Then, then transform energy. How about that? Transforming. Yes. Transforming from one state energy. to and another. I think, and I think that's been a pretty common theme, even in fictional things like you know. I mean, to some degree, there's a there's a common thread of their you know of following the sciences to some degree, and even in magic, when you're writing, when people write about magic, they 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 follow somewhat of the you know sort of physical world and 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 energy that kind of thing. But anyway. It's all just sort of a you know transformation or, or changing energy from one thing into another for your own purposes, however you want to do that. And I think the Green Lanterns are the same thing. And I think it's all sort of if you looked at it in a, a you know sort of meta way, it's all something more than some. It, it's bigger than just like you could you can't just call it magic. You know what I mean? It, it's uh, it's it's something bigger than that. And you know, it's like a magician in the Mar- in the DC universe uses it in this way. The Green Lanterns use it this way. Uh, you know, Superman maybe uses it this way. It's all sort of trans, you know, transforming energy from one thing into something else. And how it really works, nobody knows. Right. Well, I would argue that everything's magic, but I'm crazy. So. Well, no, I'm not, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think, but I think everything, you know, science to some degree is magic. Right. You know what I mean? It's just how you look at it. There's so much, so much that we don't understand in the universe, and there's so many things that are stuff. well, other than wood, <laughs> who understands yeah. everything. Um, 
magic is change and instigating change in instigating change in accordance to the will. Everything you do, say you you walk down the street, look at someone, and wink. You you've instigated a change in this person from a previous state to the state they were after you winked at them. That that's but what I, I mean I by everything is magic. So it, they wouldn't have changed without your wink. Absolutely, and, and I, I do it magic. <laughs> because magic is instigating change. That's what it is. The, the, is the, this the same? Is this the, is, are we using the, the dictionary of Vince again? Like we were using? No, the, we're using the dictionary <laughs> of ma- oh. magic. No, is magic like, with a K. Grant Morrison, chaos magic. That's what I'm talking about. You, which you probably have no interest in, and I, I, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, y- you are instigating change in your external everything. Around you, you're, that's what you. But doing. I think I think I think it's bigger. Than, I mean, it's bigger than some. You can't you can't just pigeonhole it. I mean, Grant, Grant Morrison thinks it's this, and uh, you know, no, Zen Buddhists think it's this, which and, is pretty much and, in accord with what Grant Morrison says. But whatever, go ahead. Well, <laughs> not really. I mean, kind of, yeah, on a generalized sense, but not. I mean. Well, hey, you know what? If you throw enough stuff out there without any real specifics, it'll it'll basically encompass everything. But right, a lot well, of the systems do overlap, but which is not Certainly. the domain but, of this. But podcast. that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, uh, Jesus Christ and 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 Buddha and Muhammad. You know, I mean, it's like it's all interpretation, and I think it's all bigger than you know whether it's chaos, called chaos magic. Chaos magic is is how uh, you know a certain people decide how to manipulate it or use it or or believe in it but i think it's bigger than that i think it's all the same sort of thing but i think it's bigger than anything our little human brains could possibly i agree uh, with you really understand and yeah. so trying to you know i mean that's why i'm basically and this is getting way off subject but i mean it's basically why i'm agnostic because i don't i don't think i have enough intelligence to say this is the right way and that's you know obviously a religious thing not you know not that magic isn't religion in to certain people right. but um but and I, I agree know, with you like, i'm exo- I'm agnostic for the same reason i I so, can't define what's out there yeah, not that I don't believe i'm I'm a faithful person I believe uh that that there is something more powerful than than us and me certainly in this world but but I think so if Grant Morrison were to go to to take it back to the beginning of this conversation if Grant Morrison were to go to the green, you know, take the green lanterns and the idea of that and say, well, it's based on magic. I think that's too small of an idea for, for what it is. Um, in the sense that it already has its own structure and system and how it works. It doesn't need to be redefined to fit into chaos magic. But right. But it's never been sufficiently defined. It's always been stick your hand in the battery charges up the ring. There you go. Based on willpower and you're, you're good. But the, 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 the system that, that fuels the, the reaction that happens when the thought turns into these green forms manifested through the ring, that has never been properly defined. Well, in my I opinion, mean, it, but it's I, just you know, a matter, I mean, it's just looking. a matter of who wants to write it and how. I mean, why do you, do you really want it? I mean, yeah. Do we really need to know? Because it's not real. No, it, it, you don't need it. In terms of the story, you don't need to know. No, it's just a. Uh, Write it another, yourself. Another, another, yeah, I could, but nobody would read it. <laughs> well, I so what? It doesn't yeah. make it any less real for you, right? True. See, All I right. Could, I, you're down, but you're not down with the Morrison doing it. I could do it, but I, Morrison I, can't do it. I like more. Well, I just don't want to. Uh, I don't want it to be canon. 
<laughs> it's all. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's that word. Quarterly story. Well, as Vince alluded in the in the Final Crisis number six four in this this uh, week thread that uh, Morrison is certainly intentionally or not, and I think probably intentionally giving several outs for the next author or or oh, an yeah. editorial mandate to make this all go away with the snap of a of a finger. I mean, yeah. whether it be I mean, uh, whether it be them all go. I mean, whether it be all them going to another dimension, this being another dimensional reboot, which certainly the Sunny Sumo. You know, checkmate component would allude as possible to, you know, as 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 Vince alluded, the you know the miracle machine just just you know Superman or whoever wishing that none of this ever happened. I mean, they they could a lot of ways they could you know make this all a quasi dream or you know or else worlds or there's a lot. You know, I, I hope they don't do that because that would kind of be the suck. But certainly, I think at some point, if if based on where we're left with where the world is after this issue, I, I guess there's going to be have some kind of reboot. I mean, they're not going to have the new DC status quo isn't going to be this this Earth. So, I, mean. well, I, I pretty much am convinced that the DC universe, as we know it, in the six issues leading up to the last, will not be around at the end of the seventh. Well, I, mean, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, uh, he he's he's set up things right now where uh, there are a number of way, ways he can do it with the whole um, atoms. Taking the the uh, the trip to the alternate dimension to set up the new uh, Montoya-based peacekeeping force—that's yeah. a whole different world. And and what are the flashes doing? What the heck? And they're just are doing the fl- a whole lot of talking and not much running. <laughs> but, 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 but what I'm saying is, the, the I'm, I'm sure he's going to have the payoff in the seventh issue. But I found it odd that the flashes set out to do something but never said what they were going to do. They're yeah. outracing the Black Racer to do what? Where are they going? That that save has Batman. me totally puzzled. No, they're not going to save Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to. Well, Grant Morrison came out and said in a Wizard interview this week that that Batman is Bruce Wayne as Batman is coming back and he's coming back relatively soon. And Grant Morrison's writing the stories, so right, right. You know, and and you you know you, you said there's a number of outs. I think it all has to do with the Omega sanction. Mm-hmm. That, that that's that's the 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 trapdoor that's gonna gonna uh it's the it the whole trick is hinging on that trapdoor and I think because if you know your new gods uh dark sides omega beams which I'm sure are at the the root of this omega sanction have not only destroyed in the past but they've resurrected so they are simultaneously the alpha and the omega well let me the, ask you the, this let's say at the end of seven we get a you know some component of the DC Universe goes through this wormhole to another dimension uh, and starts anew, and that's the new status quo. Um, A, how do you feel about that? And I'm asking all three of you. And okay. B, how do you think the average DC fan will will think of that? Will they be disappointed? <laughs> will they think, oh, here we go again? Will they be happy because they're looking forward to new stories that aren't continuity-driven? I mean, where do you think, if that happens, let's assume that's the way it happens. In some way, shape, or form, this actually is a universe reboot, which has been you know, rumored for some time, and, and, and that you know, two months from now, we have a new DCU again. Um, right. how, how, do you, how would you react to that? I do hate we? it. Oh, why? Because I like the, the, where the DCU is sort of at now. I, I, mm-hmm. Why take what I think is some of their best stories and and screw it all up with a reboot of something that i consider to me in my mind um final crisis is an interesting alternate reality story because at the Mm -hmm. end of it it's not going to change anything and i've already i've already 
nah, I've already dismissed it. None of, none of this is going <laughs> to have any long-term So you effect. view this as an Elseworlds. Like, this is one of the 52 worlds, but it's not the one that we're reading most of our comics in. Well, I just, I mean, that's just in my head. Not, not like it really is, because... I, so I will you be disappointed if, at, in fact, that's not the case, though? I mean... Um, it depends on where the stories go. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, the, if they're good stories, no. Um, I, I'll be a little disappointed. I, not that I'll be disappointed. I'll be extremely surprised. If in okay. if a year from now Final Crisis has really any effect on where DC at DC is at a year from now or even six months from now, I don't I don't really think that it will uh, have much long long term effect other than like you know a Wally you know if obviously Wally's going to be around. Um, mm. Well, uh, I would be disappointed in that if you if you're right, <laughs> the Barry. Yeah, I did not. Barry, Barry. I did not get the feeling Wally was was long for this world uh, after reading number six. I got yeah, bad feelings about Wally. Uh, well, if you read, I mean, Van Scarver. Wally. Uh, I don't know because Van Scarver's talked a lot about how he's had to work so hard on creating a new costume for Wally, and and when they do Flash Rebirth, how Wally's okay. such an important component of the story. But again, because yeah, he might not be swerving us. Yeah, can there? Well, Van, I don't think Van Scarver's got. I mean, he's a he. He's I met Barry, he's by not the way. It, so right, you know, right. I'm saying Van Scarver was talking very candidly about the costume he's come up for 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 a while. And so if I I could see if this was an interview with Johns trying to swerve us. But I, I don't I don't see the the pencil or swerve. Okay, us. but if well, I don't know about. I mean, I've I've read Van Scarver on message boards, and I, I I sometimes get a feel for where he's going with some of his things. But just because he says he's he's drawn the costume for Wally. I mean, hell, it could be the costume he gets buried in. I mean, we don't know how long we'll see him in this costume, if this costume is for anything other than just a quick, here I am and there I go. And then again, too, if they did make Wally go away, they just made him go away a little while ago and brought him back with the lightning song. Yeah, I mean, you uh, could totally be right, David. Obviously, we'll know when we know, but I'm just saying I know that in the interview he did, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the word, yeah, it was word balloon, um, I mean, he talks a lot about Wally in, in, in context of, in not that tone. I mean, there was no illusion that that would really be left for interpretation. It was very much in the sense of, you know, Wally can Wally be the Flash when Barry's back? Probably not, but he's still going to be a vitally important component of of he's earned his place uh, in the DCU as as a as a hero in his own right. And part of Flash Rebirth will be showing how they both fit into the same world. Right. Well, I don't. So, oh. I, I don't see that being an issue. I mean, I, I'm very glad. I, I hope you know. Obviously, Barry's sticking around with Rebirth, but I don't see why they couldn't keep Wally around as well. I mean, you have more than one Green Lantern, while Hal's the the, the main Green Lantern, and, and in my opinion, the best. Uh, you know, <laughs> why can't you have more than one Flash? Why can't you? You always have yeah. had more than one right. Flash. So, I and I hope they do keep him around. I don't want to see Wally go away because he is my Flash. But just the, guys, the feeling, what you guys worry a lot about stuff. That yeah, we may do. Happen. Well, I mean, what is, what else is there to talk about? You know, we, we, we we don't know. Yeah. Well, what did but happen? It's Not just, the, the, yeah. But if you only talk about what did happen, what did happen? No one can just, explain it's all what there. did happen. It was Final Crisis <laughs> number six. What did happen? Piss off. Let me ask David. I'm dying to ask you. What did you think of the art? I I think I'm losing you again. I I didn't I I thought Mankey saved the damn day with the last two pages. Well, of course. I think uh I don't think it was some of Pacheco's and Marino's strongest work, but it 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 was 
it was good in spots. And, and the same thing with J.G. Jones. I thought that his artwork here, some of his artwork here, is better than we've seen for the majority of the past couple issues. Mm-hmm. What about the Tawny pages? I mean, how much better can those? No, that's pages what I'm saying. Be? That was yeah. that. That's that was. I mean, I I really really like the Talkie Tony Calabac pages more than I did the Mary Marvel pages. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know which one of the artists drew Black Canary, but they should never be allowed to draw Black Canary again. That that might have been Rudy. That might have been Marco Ruby. Right. I'm sure that's that's who it was. Rough, rough, rough. I thought the book ranged from fantastic page by page from fantastic to. May I never see that person draw another character again? <laughs> the, oh, they, the, the, those pages weren't that bad. The, the Pacheco Marina the Black Canary opening. pages were horrendous. Honestly, I really did. I, they drew her like she was a bush pig, and she's supposed to be hot. And oh, the young. The uh, <laughs> which pages? I didn't hear it. I'm, I'm... The, the 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 Black Canary at the uh, with with is he Caucasian? Is he Indian? Is he is he African American oh, yeah, tattooed yeah, yeah. man? Uh, the <laughs> maybe the tattoos are bleeding. There you go. I think I think the Pacheco Moreno opening pages were a hell of a lot better than that two page spread with Metron. Oh, see, I like those pages. I, like I also like that the. I just didn't like the art in it. I also like that the flow of the panels was not completely uh, left to right. They jumbled the, it up. The whole series hasn't been that. Okay, all right. Um, he's I'm emoting. <laughs> Hello, 11 o'clock comics. This is part of Cordova Collins. I was just calling because I had a little 2008 book of the year. It was one of the ones I think I had the most fun with in that. And you know what? It helps, too, because this book kind of sort of went on a monthly basis this past year. Because before, it was just bi-monthly. But this year, it went to a monthly basis. So what it was was the goon. I you know I'm I don't know if a lot of people don't pick it up or maybe it's just not everybody's cup of tea or stuff. I me Carlos Cordova I like the goon. I enjoy that book every single time it comes out. It started off as more of a comedy kind of heavy book with some very creepy easy elements kind of thrown into it. You know zombies and monsters and stuff like that. And but there's always been something really good at the heart of the book and and Eric Powell shines when he tells these stories and it's the serious stories because every every other issue or so Eric Powell would have a have an issue that's dedicated to the actual story and the goon and it's not just like a fun monthly book it's actually something an underlying plot in the book and when those issues come out I mean Eric Powell just knocks it off the block the issue can be very serious, very emotional, very down. You can see the character, the goon, going through this mental drama or physical drama, you know what I mean? And it shines. It, the book shines the most when we get these issues. But you know, the other issues, all the other issues, the ones that are just fun for fun's sake, are just, I mean, they're great. It's fun. To me, I laugh my ass off. I think they're funny. They're some of the dialogue that's between the characters, little moments and stuff that happen just it's just great i overall the goon is an awesome awesome book and this year this past year which dark Horse called the the year of the goon wrapped up the first major 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 storyline in the goon and we saw the ending to it and it was a good ending everything had been leading up to this issue and it was really it was a really satisfying read 
I'm glad I picked up this book, and I wish more people were into it, and I heard more people talking about it and stuff like that, because The Goon is just a, it's a damn good book. And let me just say, Mr. Eric Powell, because not only can he write a damn fine comic, Mr. he can draw his ass off, and he does very good sequential storytelling, in my opinion. And he's got this really awesome EC kind of style going to him. You can see it, that he does an oil painting, he does pencils, he does he does all this inks, he does all his own art and everything, and from the top to the bottom, and oh, it's just I, his art is just absolutely gorgeous. It's he is a he is an outstanding artist, and you know, speaking of which, that he did the three issues of Action Comics, which in my eye were some really damn creepy, good Bizarro stories. His his Yellow Lantern on the Bizarro world was just too freaking cool, too damn cool. My 2008 book of the year. I'm gonna say it, people. It's not Marvel. It's not DC. It's not Image. It was just a little book called The Goon by Mr. Eric Powell. If you haven't read it, there's trades out there. Go. I would suggest going to pick up one of them. It's it's fun. It's good. It's fun. It's comics, and I love it. So, all right, guys, take it easy. Have a good day. Talk to you all later. I'm surprised a guy like Morrison isn't more restrictive when it comes to who's drawing his pages. And I don't think he really they, has they a choice. Get it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's already delayed. They have things to do, places to go that uh, that just needs to wrap up already. So at, at this point, it's just who can draw it. And unfortunately, with with the talent DC has left, they don't. Uh, it's not exactly stellar. Oh. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, let me ask you guys. Uh, um, getting back to something Sal said about how he doesn't think it'll matter a year from now. Um, one of the criticisms, and you know, I've been a fan of the series. Uh, I'm not quite sure where it's going. We only have an issue left, but I've enjoyed the ride. Uh, but one of the criticisms, especially by some of the other people that I think are quote-unquote long-term DC fans, has been that to them this doesn't feel like a crisis, meaning that obviously Infinite Crisis and uh, Crisis and Infinite Earth, and right. Infinite Earth right, yeah. right, had 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 sweeping regardless of why they, they wrote the series in the first place, they had sweeping major changes that, that lasted for a long time. Um, and that people are wondering, much as Sal has, you know, is this really going to change things? Um, and if it doesn't, does it really deserve to be called a crisis, number one, much less the final crisis? And, and if you go back, and to be fair, I, I did this today, if you go back and you look at, because I know a lot of people say, well, you know, Morrison wasn't promising things. Well, to be fair, Morrison in the in the lead-up to this did say that, he was given the chance to write the crisis of all crises, the 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 biggest, most you know important story in the DC universe's history. So I mean, he was certainly leading into the bravado there. So I guess the question is, what needs to happen in issue seven and and the months after that for it to really and truly deserve the moniker of Final Crisis? Wow. See, I don't I don't know how much bigger the crisis could be. You have all of reality collapsing in on each other. But if well, how much bigger can you get? If a but month later, though, to Sal's point, if a month later, though, all the books are solicited and it's the same storylines, the same artists and same characters, and really the only difference is that, you know, then it's really not that big. I mean, what would be big well, is if all of a sudden they reboot the whole universe from scratch, and that, I mean, that, that would be big, right? But they've done that already. So I think that's why a lot of people say, are saying that's not going to happen. We've already seen that happen. Well, I just yeah, think we should wait until January 28th to, to decide whether it's, it's big enough. When well, was the last time they – are we talking about they already did that at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths over 20 years ago? Or are they talking about they already did that with the end of Infinite Crisis? 
Well, both. I mean, Infinite Crisis, you can't say, I mean, Infinite Crisis Reverse would happen on Crisis Infinite Earth, right? I mean, it, it brought Where back does Identity whole... Crisis fall into those crises? Well, that really, I don't think, does, right? They've already, I mean, the editorial's already said that that, that really wasn't, Didn't you know, happen. they've been trying to paint this as a trinity of crises with Identity somewhere being out there in the ether. It's just its own story. I, I think that was a crisis of infinite anus. <laughs> oh, so uh, the, the only the only problem I have with Final Crisis is I'm going to be like Psycho Pirate at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths and remember everything that happened. <laughs> Man, you are brutal. Members, no one else will. Or? I, I, I would I, rather you know, be people on. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm listening to your comments, and I'm not. I, I cannot criticize you for for feeling that way or the honesty behind your words. But I don't. I, I swear, I don't understand it. Okay, well, first... Uh, no, it's just that I, I don't see how much more Morrison... I'm not going to talk about the art because I know that's a soft spot with you. I don't see how much more Morrison could put into this story and 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 deliver... To me, it feels like a damn crisis. It, it encapsulates all of reality, and things are changing. They've I already changed. We've already I, lost the new gods. I agree with you, but here's my... I, I think, and again, I don't want to speak for other people, but... Where I get concerned, and you're right, we have to wait and see, right? But I think I, I think the concern is, and, and right now I feel like it maybe isn't misplaced, is that right now this feels like Morrison's leading up to the entire universe either getting destroyed or getting changed or rebirthed, and yet that's going to ultimately look like an Elseworlds tale six months from now. But is and, that Morrison's fault? Elseworlds tale, I'm not talking about fault. I'm not, again, I'm not well, just, I think you can't, I'm, I'm you, enjoying the story. But can it be a crisis as DC fans have come to know and think of a crisis if six months from now nothing's really changed in the books that oh, we're getting from DC? But, but that, that is not within the realm of the creative team to decide. Not, that, you're, that, you're, no, I'm talking that's, that's editorial. Wherever DC wants to take their universe after this story this should not impact the seven issues that is Final Crisis. If Morrison fully intended kablooey the whole universe and start from scratch at the end and then after it maybe six months down the line dc thinks or the deal or anybody in charge thinks that eh, maybe that wasn't such a good idea we should backpedal and you know make it like it was no. that has nothing to do with what morrison and company have done in that well, those giving, seven okay issues. then that means that, that means that dc did that twice now to their to, to, to their fans to their readers because they did it at the end of countdown and now they're going to do it again and how many times can uh, you do that? Well, that may be, yeah, that may be so, but again, it does not inc- impact the artistic oh, okay. creation these, that is Final Fantasy. These, the, yes, the, it these does. Seven is- You're giving Morrison a little nice. bit of an, an out there saying that it was, you know, maybe it was uh, editorial edict saying that uh, he, he intended to end the world, but then they decided halfway in that that uh, that wasn't a good idea. We don't know if that was the case or not. Well, we did have rewrites on issue seven already. Well, okay, but you don't know when they saw issue seven or when it, it, it you know, did anyone approve Grant Morrison of destroying the DC universe? Uh, or did he just what, write it and not care what anyone else was doing? Which well, wasn't is that pretty evident whole... because, I mean, nobody cared, nobody even knew, nobody even cared enough about this story to contain themselves leading up to it, writing all the books that they were writing leading up to it, even though he, you know, wrote this however many years ago. Or started writing it, however many years ago. No one at DC seemed to care. Uh, okay. So how could it possibly be? I mean, the the way I, you asked you asked a little bit earlier, what more could he put into this? For me personally, feeling I don't care about any of these 
these happenings, these events, these characters. They're not written well enough for me to care about them. Uh, in one issue, the one issue he, he wrote of the Superman 3D, uh, I cared about Superman in that issue because of his, you know, what's going on with him and Lois. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot for me to, to attach to because there's too much crap going on in these books for me to, well, that- to, to care about any of these characters unless I let my 30-year uh, comic book, you know, love of comic books drive my care for these characters well, in that's this the whole. That's the way events work. You have to let the 30 years of your comic book caring drive it's the not, way. It's not how all events work. Well, there's not enough. There's not enough room in the miniseries to do that to develop these characters. If, if he goes into the miniseries trying to develop sympathy for Jay Garrick, and then he's got to do it for Barry, he's got to. You you can't focus on every character when the book you're writing encapsulates you, the whole freaking universe. Well, you can if you take out some of the the f- crap. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I just had a thought. Getting back to the whole <laughs> invalidating Final Crisis, if they if they redo what you know he has done at the end of the story, did does the does Under the Hood invalidate a death in the family? You know what I mean? They're both great stories, but but they they backpedaled on. Well, it took yeah, them, that uh, depends on a, a long time. It, the, 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 Absolutely, the, it did. Does the time Absolutely. span? I mean, that was part of that was part of why DC just about folded at that time because all of a sudden they 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 promoted that event like it was the end of ba- or the the uh, well more so with Superman the death of Superman. But I mean, they promoted those events like they were earth shaking, and then they ended up not being. In a sense, and, it, yeah, I'm sure, Vincent, and uh, even a more modern example of that certainly we've we've been talking a lot about and praising the Superman books, but plenty of people that are you know. Uh, that associate the burn reboot as being their Superman have complained that DC is slowly but surely bringing back a lot of the elements that burn tried very hard to extricate from the Superman legacy. And, and it's, it's really in their eyes is, is, is invalidating the burn reboot. I don't personally see it that way, but I can see why someone would see it that way. So it's all an interpretation. But we're talking right, when, when 20 you, years well, later. I mean, the, right, that's I'm not, it can't David, say stale. Again, right. it's, yeah. No, I'm, I know I'm, you're not. I'm yeah. in general for people to say, you know, oh, for the past twenty years, this is the way it's been. It's been twenty fucking years. It's it's okay for <laughs> for someone but, but, new now. Op- let let it open it up a little bit. Let someone else well, try. Sure. It. When you new, say invalidate, new. when you say invalidate the work, how could changes in current continuity ever invalidate a story that is has been in the books? For twenty years, I don't understand that concept. I does that make the work right? Does that make the work any less powerful? Seeing Robin beaten to death with a crowbar. Well, it depends you know what on I'm what you, it depends on what you take away from comics. To me, no. I mean, I don't. I I barely remember what I read last month, let alone twenty yeah. years ago. So I don't <laughs> right. really well, care. That. You're right. It's, yeah. it, to me, it's either a good story, it's a bad story. I don't I don't get caught up in continuity Correct. very much. I don't. You right. know, whatever it is, what it is. But if you're if part of your enjoyment of it is that uh, canon and that continuity and what those characters meant to you 20 years ago and, and, and you wanting them to be, you know, sort of the core same character, then, yeah, it's hugely important to you. Now, is that right or wrong? I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not that person, so I can't answer I mean, it. But right. it right. seems kind of crazy to, to do that. But, I mean, I don't know. You, you love things about comics like Grant Morrison does with comics because of all the stuff you love from, you know, mm-hmm. reading Jack Kirby stuff. So right. is that any crazier? Is that any you know more right. out there? Well, there's there's no right way or wrong way. Well, let's not pretend that the that many of the writers that we hold up as being some of the the better ones in the mainstream world feel very strongly about continuity. I mean, sure. every time Mark Wade gives an interview, he rants about how 
Superman should have never married Lois. I mean, talk about getting over something. But ever, I, I mean, I've heard Wade <laughs> four or five different times say, "Oh, the worst thing ever happened was Superman married Lois." It took cha- totally changed the character forever. I mean, you know, he he every time he gets a chance, he rants about how you know they should never bring Barry Allen back because of Wally is the first the first sidekick to ever successfully take over the mantle of his of his. Everybody's got their own. Everybody has their own. Oh. I mean, they're all John's clearly. John's cares about continuity as much as anybody out there to the point where he's pretty much gotten a reputation of late uh, for being so great because he's tied uh, different ages of continuity together in a way that that still seems relevant in the modern uh, you know vernacular. So yeah, I mean, I think continuity is important to a lot of the people that are writing these books, so we can't dismiss continuity. On the other hand, as I get older, maybe because I think inherently the longer you read these things, the more you do see things change for the sake I've personally gotten over 10 years ago all I would have cared just unbelievably about continuity now not not as much I mean that's why a book like All-Star Superman to me fantastic I, I don't care that it's quote unquote not in continuity it's an awesome book it's an awesome you know whereas All-Star Batman it, in continuity or not it's poop you know, I mean, that's, yeah. you know it's not a well written <laughs> book regardless of whether it's continuity or not now and, and it's, I can't believe that speaking of that I can't believe that Frank Miller's writing that and he wrote <laughs> Dark Knight. I don't can't believe it's the same human being. I, I don't talk about changing. Well, it, it's not the same human being. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but so. you know, I don't think good storytelling should you be. You guys don't know what continuity. you're talking about. <laughs> oh, you're you're a fan of. <laughs> I love All Star Batman, Robin. For real? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hilarious and fun, and it. I I don't as as much as all star superman harkens back to the you know origins and the silver age of superman or more so the golden age uh, yeah and the golden age i think all star batman robin harkens back to the golden age of batman stories uh in a lot of ways that that people don't give it credit for and and i think it's absolutely mm. ridiculous and over the top and uh it's certainly not dark knight returns and it was never supposed to be um mm. but i enjoy the hell out of it because it's some to me it's just something different now is it all-star superman no i don't i don't i don't i'm not trying to claim that it is i think all-star superman is is absolutely magnificent and one of my favorite comic books um you know in the last you know 20 years probably but i i think people think that frank miller just lost his mind and is mailing in all-star batman and robin and i don't i don't see that um i see a bit more there than than that but I'm I'm way in the minority on that, and I'm not going to try and defend it sure. necessarily. Either, you know, you like it, you don't like it, whatever. That's fine. I, I've yet to hear other than other than people complain about like specific sentences said, like "I'm the damn Batman" <laughs> um, or "I'm the goddamn Batman." I, I've yet to really hear anybody talk, you know, talk about how it's poorly written. If you don't like it, that's one thing, and you don't like how how that character is being portrayed. But I haven't really heard anybody talk about it being, you know, everybody says it's horrible and it's terribly done and Frank Miller's lost his mind and he's mailing it in and he's, but nobody really gives any, any real examples of how it's, it's poorly uh, constructed other than they don't like something, you know, this is stupid or that, you know, I don't like this particular thing. Well, that's a different, you know, that's a different you know, thing than than something's horrible and a writer's lost it because I don't think I, I don't find that to be the case at all. But uh, but I guess I'm I'm you know uh, a Miller apologist like Vince is a Morrison apologist. So <laughs> no 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 no. 
I, there's nothing to apologize for in terms of Grant Morrison, the man. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. I did forget that. Oh, you know, I I just. Uh, you know, I, I have a hard time taking stuff seriously from a guy that claimed that he was abducted by aliens. But There's no claim me. about it, buddy. It happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure, I yeah, was Vince. there. Uh-huh. Vince, you've given us a lot of thought. What? I have, I have a question for you. It's two parts. What do okay. you think is going to happen in Issue 7, and what do you want to see happen in Issue 7? Okay. All right. I'll answer both at the same time. I think the whole DC Universe is going to go kablooey into something new. And I'm all for it. I want a reboot. I am because yeah. because again, the the name of the game in comics is to get new readers and tell good stories at the same time. Oh, but DC isn't doing that at all, dude. Come on, what are they? What are they? No, doing? maybe they're not. Maybe that's exactly my point. And maybe you? they're not. The the the, <laughs> the whole DC universe has become so impenetrable from someone on the outside. All this this aside from Jeff Johns, he's the exception to the rule. He makes continuity palatable to the newcomer he he lays it all out this is where we came from this is where we're going that's fine but most of the dc universe is pretty much mired in red tape from x amount of years of continuity i say blow it all out the window and start all over but do it in a way where all the stuff that came before still happened if they could somehow reboot the universe, no, really, and say, okay, that all that stuff happened over here. Now this is a whole new world. We're starting off fresh. Even though there's shitloads of continuity in the past where a new reader doesn't have to know that to find out what's going on now. That's what I'm saying. Well, That's what the, I want. What's the point, though? It's just to attract new readers. It may not yeah, even but, matter. But couldn't you just, I mean... How's that well, going to get be to tell good someone stories? in the LCSs and buy comic books? Well, well, well not I'm, that, I'm but, not... Well, couldn't you just write stories? Why do you have to blow up a universe to write stories that are simpler? Because it it, it garners attention. It's just something to. It's like standing up in the middle of the it's a, it's classroom. It's starting you know point for it, when people say, "What's what? When, when should I start?" Right. What's a good jumping right. on point? This is it. I, I have no problems with a reboot. How are they going to do that with John? Not going to happen. John's rules the roost at DC. As great as Grant Morrison is, John's is their is their guy. I totally you, I agree. Mean, so. Do you think they're going to reboot the universe and Blackest Night's going to have nothing to do with all the stuff that supposedly we spent the last four years and that and that all happen. this new this new, new action crypt, comics yeah. stars and sending Superman off into space all that's just been a big ruse and that three no. months from now I mean so but then it's, it's not, not really a reboot. what if Superman is going into space into space to explore a new universe. Doesn't okay, that give so him Black, the Blackest Night's going to be a new universe of Green Lanterns and a, a no, new no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. What if they can do it in a way where subtly, or maybe not so subtly, change the mechanics of the DC universe without changing the characters? I'm, I'm, you, I'm you sure. You think this is Grant Morrison's plan? I you think, think this is Morrison's no, I, plan to take the most impenetrable, impenetrable work, seven no. issues of a comic book, and and then make a universe simple? No, I I think Grant Morrison's plan from day one, and he said it way back when he was first starting to work on JLA. He said he if 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 he had his way, he would make the DC universe sentient. He would make it a living, breathing organism, the universe as a whole. I think that's what he's doing with uh, Final Crisis. But what is that? What is that? It, it, what does that? that what does that do? translate to Grant Morrison? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where it's going. I'm, I'm just I'm assuming. Make, I'm going to make the DC universe a Twinkie. There you go. And we're all the creamy filling. 
<laughs> I don't. I so. don't know. I. I don't see it. I mean, I don't. I don't see it happen. I, I. I honestly, truly believe that six months from now, Final Crisis will be a memory, and there will be very. There will be some things to come out of Final Crisis, like, like Barry being back, and and uh, yeah, ta- Talkie well, Tawny being a badass. Uh, you know, people will go down that road, but. Uh, but, but, but then oh, why know. introduced all the why would you introduce all these characters that have a huge import on what was in Commandy? Like like all the tigers and and, and the half animals, half human or the, the experiments that uh Mockery and Simeon did. Why would you introduce that into a storyline and then just forget about it? Well it's I'm, not I'm thinking there's a convergence. It. It's the rest of the there's other writers in in the DC. Right, well, that, that's my whole argument. How could you fault this work for that when when he's trying his damnedest to bring all this into the into uh, reality, and then they just decide to change it? That's not his problem. That, well, no, that's it's editorial. It, it's not his. Well, the, if you're working for somebody and and you give them work that doesn't fit into what they do, that that's a problem. I'm not saying it has to com- comply with you know a house style, but if you if you are hired to do something and you write something that has and okay, it's monthly comics. It's been DC Comics for however many years. This is how we do things. Uh, mm-hmm. This is how it's always been done. As far as we start somewhere, we end somewhere, and the characters keep going on. Now uh, we're going to hire you to write seven issues of this event, and you're going to make no effort whatsoever to actually make it a well, I won't say that. But, uh, the, to actually make it fit in, okay. Uh, to and to make it. I mean, look at the new. Look what he did with New X Men. He wrote it to the point where you know they they basically. I mean, maybe it's just a point of no one else can to understand what he's attempting to do. You see it. Maybe DC. Maybe Dan DiDio doesn't see it. Maybe you know. Maybe the other writers aren't smart enough or aren't paying enough attention to see what he's trying to do. And quite honestly, to try and sit there and go, okay. Grant's going to write this this final crisis, and now everyone else that writes for DC, you have to you have to try and follow this up, and and take the things that he started with and 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 use them in your stories. That's really unfair to a bunch of writers that are just trying to make a living. It's not like he's sneaking these scripts underneath the door. True. Well, I was you know say- this has been approved, which which raises the question: is why was there call for a rewrite on the seventh issue? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I think again, if you're talking about this as a crisis, and fair or not, I, I don't. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna label it final crisis and it's gonna be in DC, I think there there is a, there is some supposition as to what a crisis entails. Um, you can't extricate editorial edict from a DC crisis because both of the last two. Uh, crisis were editorially driven. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Crisis on Infinite Earths, as great as we all think it is, was the DC guy sitting around saying, "Our universe is fucked up. We can't. We have all these <laughs> convoluted things. We got guys that are living. It was great. We got guys living in different eras. What are we going to do? Let's just fucking put it all together, and we'll just make it all work into one streamline, and we'll go from there, and we'll start all the books over. That was the idea. I mean, that was the editorial idea. Now, certainly it didn't go exactly to plan after that, but that was the plan. Editorial said, you could do this, and we're going to reboot, and then you write a story, and it happened to be a good story. Same thing with, with, with Infinite Crisis. They had to know, I mean, they went into it saying, okay, cool, we're going to bring the multiverse back. Spoilers, everybody. We're going to bring the multiverse back, <laughs> and 
And that's going to open up a whole new treasure trove of stories, and we're going to make all the little disparate pockets of the DC universe, like Wildstorm and Vertigo, and you know, we're going to have all those things and wink at them and say, hey, look, those are all different Earths, and there's going to be years and years of stories we can tell, crossovers. We're going to bring all that goodness back, and people start. That's pretty cool. They did the one year later to, to to be a, you know, so you could reboot everything and it could start fresh from wherever the writer wanted to take it. Uh, it's that only been work. what three years from that. I mean, I, I, that's, I hope they don't get rid of the multiverse because they haven't done anything with the multiverse other than a really, really bad weekly series. Well, that's my whole point. I mean, it's an event book, and event books in this day and age are they're just lead they just lead to other events. I mean, DC's no better at doing it than Marvel's been doing it for the last three years. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you you know you you're not. They're just stringing us along, guys. They're just trying oh, to get that's us. That's the name of the game. Selling they're books. They. They're not. Right. They're not. They're not going to. You know, you're not going to have this satisfying conclusion to final. I mean, it might satisfy Vince, but most people are probably not going to be satisfied <laughs> by it. And and oh, it's, not gonna, digs. it's not going to. It's not going to have like. I don't think you're going to see the wide ranging changes in the DC universe that you maybe could could have gotten away with 25 years ago. But I guess to Vince's point, two, that's not Morrison's fault. I mean. Right, he was but two things. No, I'm not so saying he it is. Do whatever he wanted, and he's going to do it. And what happens after that's not in his control, since he's not the two, well, two things. That Jason, could, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you do. You go. I no, was just going to say you could have some some uh, some foresight into how your story is going to affect uh, a universe and everybody that reads the books. And, and I think and they maybe do. He, he doesn't choose to do that. He does, you know. Maybe he didn't choose to do that. Maybe he's forced to change his story in the end. Maybe I don't know. But and I got three things to say. Go ahead. Uh, well, <laughs> I, just, I just don't. I I honestly think that it's a it's a it's a kind of a cool little story, but it's not really going to mean much of anything when it's all said and done. Okay, number one, Jason brought up one uh, one year later, which would have worked in theory, and didn't because. The product of the one year later stories raised more questions than answers. Yeah. You, you, you can't bring new readers in when your entire revamp is all mystery. You know, it's nice that they would experience the mystery along with the old time readers, but nobody knew what the hell was going on. You know, it, it was all, ooh, look at this, Catwoman's ex and Ollie's the, the, a mayor, and right, that's right. crazy, you know? So, so to, to, to do a reboot based on mystery is just insane. Number two, you don't hire Grant Morrison to do your event and not know what you're going to get. Well, I've made that point many, many times. I agree with you completely. It's, it, 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 Grant Morrison is going to do a Grant Morrison story, and so... People that want to complain Grant Morrison shouldn't write a crisis. Well, that's not Grant Morrison's fault. He was hired to write. He's, you know, the, I right. agree with you there. Yeah. And the third He's thing. He's just not a good writer. The third uh. thing <laughs> that I had on my mind was that Dan DiDio, in a recent Newsarama or CBR interview, Newsarama. said, Newsarama, the DC Universe in whatever he said, two months, three months, whatever, will be vastly different from the DC universe going into the end of Final Crisis. So who do you believe? I don't know. It, None of I'm, them. I, I, yeah, maybe. I'm I'm enjoying the the uh the trip and and I and I really hope that we we do retain the multiverse at the end of this because that is just a nice little tool for for exciting new storytelling. I agree. Possibility possibilities are endless. Give us the multiverse back. Yeah. yeah. Or or explore the multiverse that we do have back. And uh I don't know. I'm just I, I don't know. I don't Kill know. Supergirl again. No. 
Oh. She's been through too much already. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome Clockers. This is uh, Jim Dietz, a.k.a. Yoda Jones on the comicforums.com. Just wanted to uh, shout out about episode 37 really quick. I'm, I'm right there with you on the, the quietly art going real well with the weird Morrison writing. Um, I don't think Hubert or, uh, or um, the other gentleman is drawing uh, Batman with Morrison really fits his writing as well as Quietly does, because Quietly's writing, or drawing is just as quirky as Morrison's writing, and I think uh, you guys really hit on something. Uh, the, another funny thing about episode 37 is um, the stunning endorsement of our worlds at war. Uh, immediately after I heard your guys' episode, I listened to the Half Hour Wasted podcast, and uh, Brad went on and on about how our worlds at war was one of the worst things he'd ever read. So, anything that that polarizes people that much I really have to check out and also I really enjoyed the little uh, snippet from Comics Journal 74 I I really brought me back to the days of getting the the journal and uh, Amazing Heroes which was another great magazine back in the day Um, I love the show, Uh, keep on rocking guys and uh, from Legion of Dudes we say hey, bye bye I don't know either, I mean I don't really like I said, I uh do I know, like, or care what happened from 52? Like, what were the long-term effects from 50? I couldn't tell you. But I know that I enjoyed it because it was a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, and and the, the the last thing, I don't I don't know how I always end up attacking Grant Morrison, which is just, you know, <laughs> you hate <laughs> stupid. Val hates Grant Morrison. No, I, hey, no, I told you, I'm All-Star just, Superman just is one of my favorite comics yeah. ever, but... <laughs> Hater. I, I hate. I think the fact that he gets this this cachet of like, well, if you're going to hire Grant Morrison to write a crisis, this is what you get. Well, I think that's that's part of my problem with Grant Morrison is that nobody has the balls to just go, yeah, you know what, we're going to hire you to write something, but you're going to have some restraint to what you do, uh, because he's Grant Morrison. Um, and I don't hire Frank Miller to do it. Well, why? I mean, you're, he, he's you know, just what a I mean? writer. You, he's just a. But comic you're book writer. asking. But you're asking yeah, but he's him. He's not a copywriter, to... though. I mean, he's he's an artist. I mean, so yeah, there you go. So plenty of artists get plenty of artists get editorial <laughs> decree. But I mean, you, 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 the best artist. Well, let's be fair. We don't know that he's not following editorial decree. As Vince said, we know that there was a rewrite in, in issue seven, and I doubt he wanted to do a rewrite, but he probably acquiesced. And 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 we may hear a year from now. Oh, I wanted to do it this way, but we had to change it because that I, I they wouldn't let me blow up the whole universe because Johns was doing Blackest Night and. He would have been pissed, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not so saying, saying just. I'm not saying just this, uh, just this particular work. Uh, you know, like I said before, New X Men. When he wrote that, he, he, you know, he wrote it to the point where it was like, uh, yeah, we can't do anything with this. Afterwards, we have to basically just wipe well, away everything you did, which is. And, and yet, I love new, and I love New X Men. I thought right. it was great. I, I absolutely loved New X Men, uh, except the end it was kind of weird. But and yet, a but, lot of people have have you know won't. Now view the X Men as anathema, and yet the one story that people craved was astonishing, which was the tried and true follow on to Morrison's new X Men. I mean, that astonishing picked up where that left off, and that's why it started off pretty much. People weren't sure if it was in continuity or not, and then by the end, it seemed like they brought it back into continuity. So, I'm just saying. I mean, I I, I was execution. It's all the execution Mm -hmm. of it. I mean, it's you know. Astonishing X Men was well written to the point where you could jump into it and not have to know. You'd not have to have read New X-Men. That's a well-written comic book, in my opinion. Not everybody writes <laughs> that well or chooses right, but, to write that well. 
but but you, some you people choose... are indulged their uh, their you know fancy and 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 just sort of do whatever they want to do. When you're a creative individual and someone hires you to do something, they should, based on your past creations, they should know what they're going to get. It, it, you don't hire Elton John to write uh, a song for me. Or, no, listen. Come on, this guy isn't Picasso. You, you, this guy is not, I, this isn't, this isn't yes, like he is. fine art. But He's I'm a, just saying. He is a, he is a the, writer paid, he, he, is, he is paid to write. He is a writer for hire. He, he right. Is, He's exactly. No, he is no more than a journalist. He's just writing something that you happen to enjoy. He, he's oh, not. No, that at uh, all. Uh, no. Well, you, okay. What I was going to say is, you don't hire Elton John to write songs for Metallica. Wait, you, you got something That's... wrong with journalists? You don't think journalists are, are creative? You don't think? Oh, you're going down a road that I, I no, <laughs> I did not that. say that. But I'm saying like, is that's basically what you said. You, you laughed at me because I called him a, basically a journalist. He's not a journalist. He's a creative individual, which is also what a journalist does. But he fiction, right? But, but I'm just saying, creative people do things, and they gain a reputation based on what they do. When you sign, when you solicit talent, and, and, and this man walks into your room, you already know what he does based on what he has created. So if you're writing a Broadway musical, you don't hire someone who can't, who hasn't been. You know, you look shown. at Grand Morrison, I could get, I could get uh, The Filth, or I could get We Three. I could get All Star Superman, or I could get, uh, you know. Final Crisis Six. So you're not exactly. You don't know exactly what he's going to do. You but they all this. have the same earmarks. They're all written in a very specific style to him. Whether but whatever the whatever the theme is, they, they both have the same manner of presenting the story, more or less. Nah, I disagree. I don't think Final Final Crisis has the same manner of presenting the story, the same uh, craft to it that some of his other work has. Okay, that's devil's my advocate. Whole, that's my whole thing. I mean, right. Why don't people like All-Star Batman and Robin, but they do like The Dark Knight Returns? Because uh, Miller didn't write All-Star Batman and Robin like he wrote Dark Knight Returns. He didn't... He, he wasn't... Right, which is not to say it's not good, but he, he, he's very unlike Miller on All-Star. No, it's your Isn't perception he? of it. Well, but it's it's not only my perception, but I'm just saying it's it's the way the work has been received. Well, yeah, but kind of comic book fans are, you know, oh, they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, but like I said, with All Star Batman and Robin, you can tell me what you don't like about it, but very few people have ever said what's poorly written. I've right, said that's over and that. over again what's poorly written about Final Crisis Six. I can explain myself why I think it's poorly written. I don't. I'm not and, calling and you a writer, right. or a bad writer. I'm explaining why this particular work I think is poorly. But done. the very fact that they don't explain themselves, they're just saying I don't like this. Why is it that they don't like it? Because it it's not in accord to what they expect from Frank Miller, right? Which is my which is my whole argument. You're saying that. For a person to write something and, you know, they sign the check to it and they had to n have known what they were getting, that's that's what you were trying to say. No, you, this person's hired to write it. They should know what he's going to produce, which is why, again, All-Star Batman and Robin does not ring true with Frank Miller fran fans because it is not in accord with what he has been shown to produce. Yeah, but I don't think, yeah. I, I think the difference between comic book fans expecting something and, 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 Publishers and editors expecting something should be two different things. Why? Uh, because a publisher and editor is hiring someone to do a, a job. A comic book fan can either pick up a comic or not. 
How does the reputation differ among the strata of, because of I don't, who's doing this? Because I don't know anything about Grant Morrison other than what I read on the page. As a comic book fan, I've never met the man. I've never had a conversation with him. If I'm hiring him as a publisher, I'm going to mm-hmm. sit down with him and know the, you know, talk to him about the project before I hire him. That's the right. difference. If he so doesn't if give you what you want to hear, you why not hire somebody else? But what yeah. if he gives you what if, I mean, just to throw it out there, what if he gives you what you want to hear and then he writes something completely different? I don't know that he did. <laughs> Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. But if you're going to you know, throw supposes out there. Well, again, the, the stuff has to go through editorial. Then you, then you uh, do what uh, Marvel che- did. Uh, you, not fact-checking. but You bring a guy like uh, Peter David on and say that it was all a bad dream. There you go. Whew, you know what? Let me check the time. I think we are pushing it. <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. what happens in the seventh issue. DC will correct it in the collected edition. Oh, wow. Ooh, burn. He Yikes. never lets things go. You know, I, are you my <laughs> wife? He holds grudges, man. He holds grudges, boy. He does. Yep. I, you are sexy, though. I'll give you I, that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I know people like Final Crisis, and that's great. It's fine. I don't have a problem with it. You love it. More power. I wish I, wish I loved it as much as you did. I wish I did. You know, I wish I didn't have problems with it, but I do, and that's a big deal. Uh, my opinion on whether it's good or bad is no more valid than your opinion on whether it's good or bad or anyone anyone else's so those people out there that hate me because I say my opinion on Grant Morrison you know sorry how can they hate you for telling the truth as it it applies to yourself if they do then Um, they're nuts because everybody wants you to agree with them with them but I think what people have to realize is they are not the center of the universe well other than wood Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, Vince, I mean, I think with Final Crisis, much as I said with Secret Invasion or anything, it's ultimately it is unfair to judge it until the story is over. And I think with right. Morrison particularly, I, I've, I think, I guess I'm putting a lot of faith as a Morrison fan that with one issue to go, he will wrap it all up like he has done in other series like Seven Soldiers, where, you know, halfway through that, I, I would imagine almost anybody that was reading was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then by the end, it was brilliant. At least in my opinion, but uh, and that was a far more expansive, more complex story with characters that nobody knew anything about. So I have faith that that my defense of the story so far in my enjoyment is predicated somewhat on an expectation that seven will pay off. So I could well be very disappointed in the series after issue seven, or could be out there saying, "See all you haters, I told you so." I mean, I I, I don't know. I I'm leaning towards because I believe in Morrison's ability to be a closer. I think it's going to pay off in, in issue seven. A lot of the non sequiturs people are having a problem with will all be wrapped up. But, you know, he only has yeah. an issue to do it. So can't say I have the utmost confidence, but I, I'm, I'm confident he'll pull it out. Right. But I, I don't really think we'll know for sure how he wanted to end it until right. we are made aware of what was changed. Oh, I'm sure down the, uh, no, I'm sure down the line. Uh, don't Grant, give, Grant don't Moore, give him a uh, loophole. I'm like not. That. I'm not giving him a loophole. You're already making saying. an excuse for for when not, it's when it when it doesn't actually. No, dude, it's not an excuse. He <laughs> he turned in a script. It was okayed, and then later on, somebody decided that it should be changed. To what extent, I don't know. But I, I'm interested to know what what they what they required uh, tweaking, and, I, and we'll I see. Know. But that's not given. You know, there's no uh, safety net. I'm just wondering, just hmm, scratching my chin. What was changed? I don't know. There you go. I don't know. And on that, I'm, yeah. And on that <laughs> note, but um, it, just briefly back to the Batman thing. If anybody hasn't read the Mister Miracle Seven Soldiers of Victory miniseries, especially the fourth issue, you're going to want to read that to see what could possibly happen to Batman. <laughs> yes, we'll see. Yeah. 
he comes back. Well, we all know he's going to come back. Grant Morrison said he's going to come back. <laughs> I just and guess. Grant Morrison said. Well, then why it's, the hell should I care if he's dead? Because it's the, the journey, journey, man. The trip. Hey. It's all about the trip. Lame. You're pretty. Lame. Be hilarious. <laughs> That's a lame journey. <laughs> all right. Everybody say bye. Everybody say bye. Read <laughs> Seven Soldiers of Victory. All of it. Read it all. Definitely. You'll love definitely. it. Holy Sheeta. What do you want to read, Wood? Read G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe Origins, and G.I. Joe Cobra. Yes. Sal. Uh, read The Wintermen. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Say bye. Dave. What about David? I said oh, incognito. Yeah, he did. He said incognito. That's all right. And then Vince goes along with it. He's like, oh, yeah, we forgot. Oh, we forgot David. Yeah. All right. Nice. Oh, and be sure to uh, stop by New York Comic Con in a few weeks, February 7th and 8th. Six, and I will be there six seven, eight. Yep. Tom will yep. be there. As will Chris. Yep. And Oh, no, Chris won't be. <laughs> no. Uh, David, will you be there or no? That is yes, the plan. Nice. All right. <laughs> woot, woot. Say bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you, right? Sal. Did I say that right? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we love you, buddy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Look okay. for more Sal next week. Oh, God. Why no more, where, no where, where, where would be? No more Morrison talk. God, no, be no more Morrison podium. talk. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> Are we still recording? Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Shut this goddamn he thing doesn't down. Know, he doesn't know when they get this stuff. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>